warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 330. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Let's show sure that's the only talent. It's the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And we're the Leftovers. What the fuck, Jake? What was that? Let you start that one. <laughs> I want to say it in unison together as as family. Okay, all right. I just wanted to see if that would work. If I could maybe make it more unison than you normally do. You going off the cuff is what needs to stop, sir. <laughs> <laughs> just going off the cuff, being all willy nilly with shit, is what gets. <laughs> You know, I also did uh, finger guns when I said my name that time. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> you realize nobody can see it, and that's the thing. And you're, you're being, and you were getting cocky is what was happening. <laughs> 330. You might episodes. be right. I was distracted by my own finger guns. Yeah. You need to take it down a notch. Get a little humble, all right? Take a slice <laughs> right. of humble pie, and why don't you eat a little bit of that? next time and we can do this together and we can knock out that intro and it'll sound polished it'll sound fucking like people will be like oh my god oh my god these these are these are professionals here these are professionals instead you know what you're like uh you're like it's like it's like it's like we're a band and we've been together and we forgot what made us successful. We forgot what got us there. And all, everybody's doing their own fucking thing. We got John over here wanting to do his own thing with Yoko. And then we got, you know what I mean? And then, you know, Ringo, who knows what the fuck Ringo's doing? He's fucking, you know what I mean? <laughs> George and his motherfucking sitar again. Yeah, George and his fucking sitar and making <laughs> rock videos with fucking Caddyshack animals dancing on the fucking walls and stuff. <laughs> Just Jake, We've lost our way. You've lost your way, sir. I'm still here. I've been here waiting. <laughs> I've been here waiting. You've lost your way. I'm that shepherd trying to bring you back into the. What are they called? What are they? And not a flock. Is it a herd? Is it a herd of sheep? What? What are sheep? I think herd is correct. Herd. 
Mm. Flock of sheep, herd of cattle. Ah, it was a flock of sheep. A flock of sheep gulls. Ah, fuck. Jake, ah, seven years, man. This is seven years. This is our seven year anniversary show. Happy seventh anniversary. Happy seventh anniversary to you too, sir. We started, started off a little rough there, our seventh year. I don't know if this show, this is not, maybe not good times ahead for us. Maybe we're going, we're getting into some hard times right now with the podcast, right? Seven years in. Season seven, you really got to make, you know, you got to make some big changes to shock the audience. Oh, I know. We should have been taken off the air a long time ago. (laughs) We got to, we got to shake some shit up. We should have time skipped like three years into the future. I think that's what we need. Ten years? Do our ten? Yeah, do one of those uh, fucking time jumps and shit. I mean, working on a sl- Go ahead. Go ahead, Jake. I was, was going to say, yeah, exactly. Oh, thank you for that, then. <laughs> I needed the validation, apparently. <laughs> no, you were the one that came up with the concept. I'm taking credit for it. Um, <laughs> no, that, that's fine. That's fine. I think it's a bad idea. Oh, man. I've been working on a, on a slogan for this whole COVID thing going on, Jake. And I think... No, it's- run it by me. Just say Novid to COVID. <laughs> Hold on. It's not, like it. it's not done yet. It's not done yet. Just say Novid to COVID. Brovid. <laughs> was the, I like it. I like it. I'd wear a shirt right now. Was the Brovid a little too much? Or was it just like, was it, it did that, did that work? No, I thought the Brovid is what brought it to 2020. I know that there's a comma there on the shirt too. It's like just say Novid to COVID and then comma Brovid. Like it's personalized to you, bro. Can we get Brovid on the back so they actually have to look at the back to see the Brovid? Oh, I like that. I like that idea. As yeah, they're walking as away, as a reveal, it works even better. I yeah, think. Yeah, and then the people that see Brovid on the back, they're like, "What? What?" <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're, oh, hey, we're season seven starting off with a bang. Yeah, it's like seventh heaven. <laughs> we haven't even introduced our guests yet. They, we've just been hearing them giggle <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> we got we got Paul Hart, ladies and gentlemen, from the animated podcast and from movies from the heart. Hey, thank you for having me on. Yeah, that's what you say. Hi. Yeah, he did it. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we got Neil. What's up, Neil? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Happy seventh anniversary, Neil and Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Honored to be part of it. I didn't yeah, realize it was, cool. it just came up on me this week. I knew it was like coming at the end of the month and then I was like, oh crap. Next week's show, we're into May and we had our first episode you know like that last week of april jake seven years ago yeah and the world's been a downward spiral ever since it Hasn't seems it? remember when, yeah it's crazy it's crazy man <laughs> and our seven years of bad luck <laughs> thanks paul <laughs> way to salt the wound uh that's what i'm here for oh man I bet, like, giving birth during this whole social distancing thing is kind of fucked up, too. Like, what do they do? Do they grab the kid out with a claw? You know what I mean? <laughs> Doctor's six foot away, and he's got one of those fucking arm claws. You know what I mean? You, you ever see those things 
where like you know it's like those yeah. claws and you 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 pull the trigger and it grabs something for you. Is that how they're pulling kids out of vaginas these days? <laughs> it's not a bad idea. <laughs> I'm sure no wounds or nothing bad will happen from that at all. Nothing's good. No. Oh man, that's weird. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> ah, fuck. Let's jump into iTunes review. <laughs> Happy seventh anniversary, Brian. God. <laughs> Let's jump into iTunes reviews. Oh my god. At least, hey, at least I'm not drinking vodka this week. Oh my god. What a nightmare that was for you last week, wasn't it, Jake? That wasn't so bad. Are you serious, dude? It's got to be like babysitting a fucking idiot. No, I don't mind drunk vodka, Brian. I oh need that shit every three, four months. Oh, my God. I, just, I felt bad for you guys. Like, there's people like, I don't know. There's like a couple things where, like, I remembered saying something. And then, like, towards the end of, like, the episode when it's over the next day and I wake up and I'm fucking hungover and shit. I'm like, did I say that? Is that something I said? And so I actually went back and I listened to the tail end of that podcast. And I'm talking about, like, I, dude, this is a pop culture podcast. And here I am talking about masturbation for like 20 minutes or something. It was, I was like, what? I would have done that sober before, though. I know, but it was just. <laughs> <laughs> whenever I'm on, the masturbation talks uh, really get going. Yeah, it's true, Paul. There's something about you, sir. That just, just brings, so, yeah, just makes me thinking the same thing. Yeah, there's something about Paul. I just want to talk about masturbation. <laughs> <That's weird. laughs> mm. All right. Anyway, it's time for iTunes reviews. Where is it? There it is. Why is it? Oh, yeah, it's coming through the fucking computer because I didn't open that. God damn it. It's seven years. <laughs> Here we go. iTunes. Re- Here we go. iTunes reviews. People probably heard that. I'm like trying to cough as this is playing, and I'm like trying to be all sly about coughing. There can't be sly about coughing. People probably heard it. No, I didn't hear it. You didn't hear I it? I didn't hear it. Oh, Christ. Oh. Amazing. Wow. Anyway, what do we got here? Somebody that likes this five star. It's called, it's titled Helping Me Through. Helping Me Through. And it's, that's, the, that's the username? No, that's the title. Helping, oh. helping me through, and it's by BKVB, BKVB man. So I got a question for you. What does BKVB man stand for? Is it a Burger King Varsity Blues man, <laughs> or B British Knights Volleyball man? <laughs> so either we've got a guy who wears shoes from the late 80s that are a forgotten relic, but he enjoys playing volleyball, or a guy who likes whoppers and football. 
<laughs> and laying in the street. Mayonnaise on a burger, yay or nay? Nay. Nay. Well, you're a little late to that one, Paul. Huh? Can't you? Yeah, can't, I was. Yeah. I was kind of thinking about it. I'm saying 50% of the time, yay. I could go for every, not all the time, every once in a while, slap a little mayo on that bad boy. It's got to be helmet. It's like an aioli. It might be pretty good. Oh, listen to you over there, Gordon fucking Ramsay. (laughs) Jesus Christ, aioli. And I think Wendy's mixes the mayonnaise in with the ketchup. And they slap it on there. So that's actually pretty good. There you go, Paul. Why didn't you grab your nuts and fucking say that earlier? God. This... Instead, you were just following Neil and Jake. Yay. I know. I succumbed to peer pressure. You succumbed to the peer pressure, man. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, you're going to be fucking. I to be like the cool kids. Yeah, you're going to be fucking snorting cocaine in, a, in the back of Studio 54 with these two fuckers. <laughs> Everybody's I didn't doing want to be it. The mayonnaise pariah over there. He's like, oh crap! I can't say I like it now, dude. I know it's the seventh. <laughs> it's the seventh season. We got to do it, man. <laughs> Everybody's doing you gotta it. Tell them to go light on that shit when you get mayonnaise out, though, because that—that's half my problem with it. Is they just slap so much on. Yeah. All right, then we need to put a little asterisk next to it. You know. <laughs> For some, not so much mayo. All right, now don't go willy nilly with the slapping of the mayo. <laughs> Use a little restraint. <laughs> Ooh, and I think the ketchup is gross. I I can do the mayonnaise, but not mixed with ketchup. Ugh. Oh, I love mayonnaise mixed with ketchup, and I also uh, every great once in a while enjoy mayonnaise mixed with barbecue sauce, and then dip your fries in that shit. Mm, yeah. That sounds better than ketchup. I love some barbecue sauce. Yeah, what do they call it? Mayo chup? Is that the shit that they're selling out on the shelves now? Yeah, that 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 is it. I, I can't. It's, it's fucked up. I can't. It's weird because it might be good, but I'd rather just do it at home. Do it at home instead of have something on the shelves with two different things that probably have two completely different expiration dates. And I'm not trusting the people to know when that expiration date is now. Now that they've mixed those two, I don't trust the people in charge to know when this shit is not going to be good anymore. Yeah, you don't want to be the fucking control group for that shit. No fucking shit. Fuck that. Be, be, so who do, who's, <laughs> so, so I don't, who gives a fuck? Uh, BK, B, VB man. I don't even know. I don't know what it stands for. Yeah, Burger King Varsity Blues. I like that one better. What was that? Hey, what was that? Uh, the Varsity Blues great movie anyway. What was that 90s football movie where they had the kids in the theatrical, first theatrical run, they had the kids laying out in the street talking as cars were driving by? Varsity Blues. It was not Varsity Blues, was it? It's called The Program. The Program. The Program. Yeah, they had to take that scene out of the movie because kids were fucking doing that shit. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. A couple kids got killed, I think, like one or two kids. Wow. Morons. (laughs) (laughs) Doing, you know what I mean? Bunch of bleach drinkers. Yeah, fucking Tide Pods challenge. It would have killed them. You know what I mean? If it wasn't this, it would have been one of those other things. Fucking morons. What about the guy that ate the slug and died? Do you remember that shit? Mm -mm. I looked that up sometime. There's a guy that ate a slug as like a dare, and the slug had some kind of like fucking disease or some shit. Ends up fucking slowly killing the guy. Fucking. 
808 his brain and shit and he was all fucked up. Oh, yeah. Jesus I know. Some fucking X file shit. How long did that process take? I don't know. It went. It, it took a long time because uh, I, I just read an article last year about the guy dying. His last few years weren't good. Don't eat slugs, people. Don't eat shit. Don't eat shit you're not supposed to eat. Don't fucking trust people with mayo and ketchup on the shelves. They don't know when that shit's going to expire. <laughs> yeah, better Man, we're doing a lot of information here on our seventh anniversary. Very informational, Jake. That's part of the. That's part of the seventh season. You're gonna get, you're gonna get, <laughs> bring the facts. Yeah, we got the facts here. We're gonna be bringing this. It's gonna be, it's just a fucking seven season PSA is what it is, Jake. I like it. I like it. Yeah. The more you know. The more you know. And who knows, at the, at the end of this, you might learn nothing. Sick <laughs> <laughs> bet. I don't, uh, Jake, do you think people are better having heard some of our podcasts at the end of the day? Do you think they're better? Do you think, do you think it, do you think it, do you think it helps people at the end of the day? Wow, I'm a, I'm a better person. Like, do you listen to the other podcasts and they're talking about fucking like, you know, meditation, they're talking about religion, they're talking about all the spiritual stuff, getting in touch with yourself and shit. And at the end of the day, I, I, I happen to think that we're not, I, I don't think we're changing anybody's lives. I think it's a coin flip. Much like you and the mayonnaise, it, it is a coin flip. That's true. It, any, yeah, yeah. Any, any day, I, I could be in the mood for mayo on a fucking sandwich one day. Here's the thing. Fuck your miracle whip. You can take your fucking miracle whip and shove it up your fucking ass. That is not anything that should be spread on anything. Fuck miracle whip. Disgusting. No, I agree. That's like spam to hamburger, basically. <sighs> and, uh, don't even get me started on Ready Whip versus Cool Whip. Don't even get me started. Really? Which is better? I think they're both pretty delicious in their I, own way. I can't stand Cool Whip. I love Ready Whip. Oh, yeah. I love both. Both are just absolutely delicious. Ready Whip gets the, I guess, a little bit better because you can just spray it right into your face. Yeah, you can spray it right in your face. That's one of the... Uh, Jake, you sound like... That sounds like... Are you... <laughs> I just turned into R. Kelly on this podcast. <laughs> I was thinking that there might, we might need to check your fucking web browser. Like, what do you, like, you might have some, like, latent feelings toward, uh, you know, <laughs> if you like getting sprayed in the face, bro. Um, Someone must have had my phone while I wasn't looking. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, BK. BKVB man says, uh, I've been listening to your current and past podcasts to help pass the time and escape the troubles of the moment. Thank you for being so entertaining and insightful. It's opening me up to many new movies and shows and giving me a new way of appreciating movies in general. And he, well, punctuation here is all over the place, bro. It, that sentence ends with, uh, a period and then three exclamation points. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love it. I kind of love this review now just for that. That's like an Easter egg. You know what I mean, Jake? That's like an Easter yeah. egg in a review, and I kind of fucking love it. Yeah, I winked at it as soon as you read it. Yeah, keep doing what you do. A big fan. And that comes from BKVB, man. All right, thanks a lot, bro, Ed. Bro, Vid. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what do we got here? Oh, um, yeah, that, that was the iTunes review. That's it. That should just, it's not iTunes reviews, it's iTunes review. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's quite the letdown for our seventh anniversary episode. One iTunes review. One iTunes review. I know. Yeah. Yeah, the outpour. 
the outpour of uh, of fans there. <laughs> support. The outpour of support. Thank you, everybody. It was kind of a depressing one, too, right? I mean, I know it was five-star and everything, but it was like, oh, thanks for keeping me sane during these troubling times. And then we're thinking about that, and it's like, ugh. Yeah, who's yeah. keeping me sane? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who watches the Watchmen. <laughs> at, least, at least you've got us to listen to. I ain't got shit, man. I'm fucked over here. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm stuck talking to fucking Neil. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Guys, you are. I, I know. I, I'm still doing the family matters, everybody. I'm still, do- I just, I just got into season three. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, like they've already done like, you know, by the time you get to season three, they've already done, you know, 40 plus episodes. They're, they're getting close to 50 episodes. And so you're thinking like these writers at this point, he shows a huge success by this point. They realized some, somewhere in the first season that their bread and butter was Steve Urkel. And they were like, you know, and you can kind of go on cruise control and it's like, are they out of stories? Are, like, where are they going to go in season three? Where are they going to go? Are they out of stories to tell? And here's I want I want to read season three's uh, synopsis here. The episode's titled "Boom," and it's uh, Urkel befriends Lowell, an orangutan who has been abused <laughs> through a series of laboratory experiments. At the precinct, Carl is exercising on a treadmill when he discovers it has been booby trapped by a revenge seeker. The bomb hidden inside will go off should he step off the treadmill. He must rely on Lieutenant Murtaugh and a little bit of luck to disconnect the bomb's wiring before it explodes. First off, what's the A story? What's the B story? Because they're both goddamn amazing. And it's like, (laughs) you know what I mean? You got fucking Urkel hanging out with an orangutan this episode. And then you got Carl on a fucking treadmill. And if he steps off the treadmill, it's going to blow up. Guys, this is two years before the movie Speed even came out, okay? I was getting ready to ask wow. about Speed. I thought maybe this might have been inspired by Speed. Dude, I honestly think that this fucking episode inspired the movie Speed. I do. Like, that movie, you had Dennis Hopper, who fucking makes a bomb, puts it on a bus, and Keanu Reeves, if the bus stops, if it goes below 60 miles per hour, that bus explodes. Here we've got fucking... Carl Winslow on a treadmill, and if he steps off this bad boy, it's gonna blow up. On the flip side, you got Urkel hanging out with a monkey. I mean, this is just, you, th- yeah, yeah, you thought these writers didn't care anymore? Are you kidding me? <laughs> they came out swinging in season three. Is that the premiere? That was season three premiere. Season, th- episode one, season three, boom! Exclamation point is the title of this one, sir. <laughs> so does Carl make it? The boom makes me think this thing blows up. Oh no, Carl makes it. Carl makes it with a little help and a little uh, of with uh, Lieutenant Murtaugh. But man, and there's a lot of fat shaming in this one too from Lieutenant Murtaugh. <laughs> oh man! Oh, because he's on the treadmill and he can't. He's stop. on the treadmill. Yeah, he, Lieutenant Murtaugh wants to see Carl lose a few pounds, so he makes him go to the gym. And um, yeah, Lieutenant Murtaugh. You have to. Go ahead. Do you have to keep going on the treadmill? Yeah, you have to keep or, going on the treadmill. You got to keep moving. You can't just turn it off and stop. And the treadmill, is it's rigged. It's wired to where it'll go as fast as it wants to go. Like the Revenge Seeker, like, set this thing up to, like, it can make you go super fast. And if you fall off, kablooey. <laughs> I would die. Do they squirt Do they squirt water in his face at all while this is going on? 
Keep keep him hydrated. Are you back to that ready whip shit, dude? What is going on with you getting squirt in the face? Jesus, Jake, is there something we need to know? Is this some kind of like weird fetish with you? What's going on, dude? I was just thinking about the poor guy, like being on that treadmill the whole time. You got to get thirsty. I thought, now this explains all these times that Jake wanted to have these little squirt gun wars in the front yard. Like, what, what <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> that and then all the gay porn links you sent me. I, it's all coming together now. <laughs> uh, did you watch that last one? Oh, dude, that was awesome. <laughs> that was really good. Mmm. <laughs> Yeah, but man, fucking Family Matters, fucking great fucking show, man. So yeah, I'm in season three. I'm I'm working my way through slowly. Every once in a while, you know, at night I'll just pop in something, and every once in a while it seems to be Family Matters. And so yeah, season three coming out swinging. Let's <laughs> jump into good pop, bad pop. Time for more leftover reviews with good pop. Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All righty. I, uh, did we all get the watch? It was a 16-minute long documentary, the, the resurgence of the movie poster. Yeah. Yes. Paul? Yes. <laughs> I didn't hear. I didn't. <laughs> I, I was first this time. <laughs> uh, the documentary focuses on the world of movie posters and the surrounding community uh, in a 16-minute long documentary. Thank God I didn't have Ray on this one. He would have been like, it's, that's double the time of the Jurassic World movie. <laughs> no way I'm watching that. That's double the time. Uh, we interview a variety of artists and chat about the origins of movie poster art uh, to how licenses limit artists. Uh, it's created by Zachary Pritting and Amelia Hendricks. And uh, I'll try to remember to post uh, in the show notes a, uh, a link to this uh, documentary. Otherwise, just do a search on YouTube. Search it by title, The Resurgence of the Movie Poster. All right. If I forget to fucking provide the link. I thought that this was a pretty, it's like 16 minutes, and I thought it was a pretty fascinating kind of documentary just about uh, movie posters. And, and uh, they had, you know, a lot of these um, different uh, new artists that are coming up and making movie posters. Of course, like Mondo is kind of featured in there a little bit. Was it Raid 17? I think mm, it raids, right. raid 17 or raid 71, whatever. Like they did some dread posters and stuff like that. I don't know. I just, I thought it got back to kind of like back in the day when they were very creative with the movie posters, like in the seventies and eighties. And then as opposed to like all the Photoshop stuff that we'd seen, you know, you know, um, you know, like in the early two thousands and stuff like that. I, I really enjoyed this short documentary and all the different artwork. Yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun, too. I thought it was interesting to see kind of the, the origins of that art style. Um, me, much like the narrator, when I was a kid, I didn't realize that these were even paintings and drawings. I, You know, I thought they were photos just, you know, as an eight-year-old. 
And, you know, it wasn't until I got older that I realized that it was, you know, also like the narrator, the same artist doing 90 percent of these movie posters before it all went into the Photoshop. Yeah, this was really cool. I thought the convention that they went to was really neat. Uh, I thought it was really cool that, you know, the artist talking about getting that a lot of this work isn't seen. A lot of these posters are like the bonus poster you get on opening yeah, night, or just, yeah. you know, variant posters. And they talk about how it's just so cool to see someone's instant reaction to these artworks, you know, just sitting right there at their table because people are seeing these for the first time. And it's that kind of, you know, criticism that you just don't get anywhere else. I was looking at, did you see the Civil War poster that guy was holding up? The Captain America mm. Civil War poster? Yeah, it was very cool. Oh, God, that was fucking awesome. I, I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I loved it. Neil, what did you think? Uh, I thought it was super interesting. Um, you know, I didn't know a lot about movie posters and their history or anything before this. And, yeah, I'll Tupperware, too. It was a great little watch. Um, super quick, super informative, and there's some really cool artwork in it. Yeah, Paul. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a Tupperware. Um, I never realized how many, as they call it, floating head posters exist today. <laughs> and it's really kind of cool to see, especially them take, like, older movies and kind of put their spin on the movie poster. So, yeah, it was super fascinating. i definitely give it a Tupperware. Yeah, I would watch this one. It's 16 minutes, unless your name's Ray. I would highly recommend watching this one. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's a lot of material here to even possibly do a full-blown 90-minute, two-hour doc, yeah, honestly. I, I I'd love too. to see just a little bit more. I, I'm hoping that it goes that way, to be quite honest with you. I'm hoping. And it doesn't seem like many people have watched this. Like, there was only, like, a couple... I don't know how many people watched it. I forgot to look on the YouTube link, but there was only less than I was two, shocked by that too. Less, it was like less than 5,000, I think. Le, when less I than 5,000 and less than 200 people gave it a thumbs up. So I was like, okay, more people need to see this because it is interesting. And movie posters are like a big part of like marketing and, and a lot of a big part of like, especially when I was a kid going to the theater and seeing like what was coming up next and just kind of like a movie poster can sell a movie if it's that good. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, and I, I agree with like what they were saying about like who wants to hang any of these modern movie posters on their wall anymore. Just yeah. like Paul said, they're all just like Photoshop floating head bullshit. Yeah. Like as much as I love the Harry Potter movies, like those posters were a dime a dozen too. They were just like Photoshop promotional images all cropped in one big circle together. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love oh God, um uh the Army of Darkness poster, you know? Where he's like, oh, yeah. that's a great poster. <laughs> I it's love that. It's kind of shot at that, like, from floor level cam, too, that Raimi uses in his movies, where yeah. it's got that weird angle. Yeah. Oh, God. It's fucking cool. I've seen the pictures, too, where they show, like, 20 different movie posters for 20 different movies that all have the same positioning of the two heads, and it's pretty ridiculous. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, I watched. A lot of this stuff is just like, it feels like a lot of, just everything coming out now. It's like nothing theater, like no theatrical movies. It's like we are, we are all, thank God for Netflix right now. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. Like, thank God for Netflix right now because Disney Plus isn't coming out with anything new. Amazon Prime is few and far between. And it just seems like every week it's like Netflix is, is the ones that have like, 
you know, either a Netflix original or they've, you know, purchased some international film or like an international show. Uh, just like Netflix is just keeping us going <laughs> right now for entertainment. That's oh, yeah. and video games. I know video and games. Hulu too. too. Hulu. Yeah, Hulu. Yeah, Hulu and FX. I mean, some of that stuff is from FX, but yeah, Hulu. Did Netflix ramp up their release schedule because of the COVID, or is this what would have happened no matter what? This is what would have happened no matter what, except for the stuff that they're buying up now. Um, from, I mean, The Lovebirds is coming out towards the end of next month, which is the Camille Nanjiani, uh, Issa Rae movie. And I think that's her name. She's kind of like a newer actor. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're, I think they're going to be buying up a lot of newer things, like movies that aren't going to go to theaters now that, you know, if they want to come out, they'll come out to Netflix now. I know Amazon Prime was going to be doing this, um, uh, premiering a lot of the South by Southwest movies. But yeah, I've read about that. Yeah. yeah it, but, not a lot of movies have like that. There's not a lot of movies that want to take part in it. Isn't the uh, Judd Apatow, Pete Davidson movie going to be part of that if they do it? I don't know. I don't have the list in front of me, but I know a lot of movies aren't willing to do it because they're not going to get reimbursed as much as they felt like they deserve to be. So, yeah, it makes sense. There's a lot of money lost there for those filmmakers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they get they get a percentage or something. I, I don't know what the deal is, but I'd have to look into it more. But I don't know. I just think honestly, I just think Netflix is killing it right now. If it wasn't for Netflix, it was. I don't know what the fuck I'd be. I'd just be watching old shit. I'd just be going back and watching older stuff. I'd probably you'd be done with Family Matters. <laughs> I'd be done with Family Matters. Um, I haven't even started Ozark season three, which is sad. I loved the first two seasons. Have any of you guys started Ozark season three? No, no. <clears throat> Jesus, yeah. No, I know everybody that's watching it. Like my sister texted me the other day, and she's like, "Oh my god, season three is fucking amazing." If you guys like Breaking Bad, you should be watching Ozark because I think it's basically geared towards the same people that love Breaking Bad. And I know Kevin Shanks was uh, uh, really raving about the season finale. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like my sister watched it and finished it, and she fucking loved it. I'm just trying to keep up with all the fucking new sh- stuff for this show that I haven't had time to start Ozark season three, which I loved those first two seasons. But I watched uh, on Netflix this week this the new kids movie, The Willoughbys. It's an animated film. It's from Braun Animation. Um, and convinced they'd be better off raising themselves, the Willoughby children hatch a sneaky plan to send their selfish parents on vacation. The siblings then embark on their own high-flying adventure to find the true meaning of family. Did any of you guys watch this? Yes. And I got through half of it. I got through half of it. <laughs> uh, the film stars uh, uh, the voices of Will Forte, Martin Short, uh, Alessia Cara, Jane Krakowski, Ricky Gervais, Maya Rudolph... Sean Cullen and Terry Crews. Um, I, you know, it, here's the thing. It's like, if, if you're wanting to, I, I don't know, is their goal to compete with Pixar with something like this? I mean, you gotta think like that's gotta be the goal, right? That's gotta be what you're, uh, I get maybe. <laughs> no, I'm saying like that's the goal. Like that's the benchmark when you're an animation company, right? Is to, yeah. Is, mm-hmm. is to be like, you know, the next Pixar, get a little bit of that, you know, 
you know, or, or minions or whatever the fuck the little kids are going crazy for. I don't, I thought that this was fine. It just, it, it's about these kids and their parents are very self-absorbed, absorbed in their own relationship and, but they end up having all these kids, two twins, a, uh, the eldest son and then a daughter and they don't spend any time with the kids. The kids have to fight over food and, and, um, they go on, they, they, it's weird because they get this whole side story of this candy guy. Yeah. And, and then they drop a baby off with him. And I kept thinking like this baby is kind of like hyperactive and jumping around and going crazy all the time eating candy, but they don't really do anything with that baby later on in the movie of any importance. And I was like, are you trying to make this baby like baby Jack from that fucking Incredibles movie? Cause if you are, you're failing. <laughs> so bad. I'll give it a taste that overall, like these kids are trying to be orphans because they want their parents dead and they send their parents on like this fucking crazy trip, like to volcanoes and to the Arctic, all these dangerous places where their parents could die. And I don't know. I, I thought the animation looked pretty good, but I, the story was just it, like, not Pixar level. And I, I guess, yeah, I guess when I asked that question earlier, it was like, I think like that's what we look at as sometimes as, as far as like these types of movies, like that's the benchmark. And if, yeah, I'm going to pit it against Pixar. It just did. I mean, it just didn't have the heart of even like this year's onward. It just didn't really, it's kind of like I watched it and watched it and I forgot it. And so I'll give it a standard taste that I thought it was just fine. But nothing to like rave about. It's it's nothing I'll ever go back and watch again. Mm. This is when you guys jump in and give your thoughts <laughs> about it. And I, I don't know. Seven years. Well, <laughs> well, I'm right there with you. Like it's definitely just a middle of the road taste. It, but um, I thought the animation was pretty cool to look at. But I remember pausing it, thinking, "Oh, I probably only have like ten minutes left," and I wasn't even halfway through the movie. And I was like, "Oh shit." <laughs> Like it was definitely dragging on because they were doing so many, they're doing so many different, like they're jumping around all over with the plot. Like one minute they're selling the house, you're into that. Then you're at the candy store, then or at the shop and you're finding out about the baby and the backstory to the nanny. It just never gave you a second to kind of figure out what the hell was going on. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, it's like so important to be a Willoughby and have these mustaches. And like, I didn't really, at the yeah. end of the movie, I still didn't understand like what, was so special about being a Willoughby or, or anything. So, <laughs> Neil, you got yeah, halfway I'll, through it and you you bounced. It, yeah, I'll give it a low taste. It, it just it wasn't targeted for me at all. Um, I did think the animation was really really good, but other than that, I had I couldn't deal with it anymore. I had to switch to something else. Yeah, it was, that like, was on the list. It felt like it was trying <laughs> to be like a Wes Anderson kind of like mm-hmm. animated movie. That's ex- that's exactly how I felt too. Yeah, but it failed miserably in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it, it's I, you know what? Like, if you're a parent and your kids are fucking dying for new content, and they've already watched that Trolls movie that you had to fucking shell out twenty bucks for, guilty. Then yeah, then, <laughs> then, then have your kids sit down and watch this. It's on Netflix. I mean, you know, it's just not. It's not. It's not one of those Pixar movies where I think like Pixar pretty much is all ages. I think anybody can watch a Pixar movie and get something out of it. It just, they're not quite there yet. They're not. Well, oh, I'm sorry. No, go um, ahead. 
No, um, I didn't watch it with my kids, but I can just tell that they – I don't even think my kids would get through this. I, I don't think it's for little kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I think they would just get up and walk away and do something else because it was just kind of weird. So I don't know like what exactly they were going for. I just – could picture my kids just kind of asking if we could put trolls on or something else like in the middle of this movie. Yeah, because yeah, kids watch the same movie like 20 fucking times. I was the same oh, way. God, do they ever. I was the same oh, way. Yeah. Like if there was a movie that I liked, I would watch it like over and over and over again. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't need variety. I just I needed that one fucking thing. So, yeah. And have you guys started defending Jacob on Apple TV Plus? Yes. Yeah, I watched the first, the two free episodes. Have not. I, I watched, did the first three. I watched the first three as well. Andy Barber has been an assistant district attorney in a suburban Massachusetts county uh, for more than twenty years. He is a respected. Uh, he's respected in his community, tenacious in the courtroom, and happy at home with his wife Lori and son Jacob. But when a shocking crime shatters their New England town, Andy is blindsided by what happens next. His 14-year-old son is charged with the murder of a fellow student. Every parental instinct Andy has rallies to protect his boy. Jacob insists that he is innocent, and Andy believes him. Andy must. He's his father. But as damning facts and shocking revelations surface, as a marriage threatens to crumble and the trial intensifies, as the crisis reveals how little a father knows about his son. Andy will face a trial of his own between loyalty and justice, between truth and allegation, between a past he's tried to bury and a future he cannot conceive. The series was created by Mark Bomback. He, I don't know, this guy's done some good stuff and he's done some not so great stuff. He wrote The Wolverine, which I was not a huge fan of. He did the Total Recall reboot with uh, Colin Farrell. He wrote that one. Um, but he did help write uh, Dawn of the Plan- Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. So, um, it's directed by Morton Tildum. Uh, he's best known uh, for directing uh, Headhunters, which is uh, uh, he's from Norway, some this Norwegian film. Um, this one stars uh, Chris Evans, Michelle Dockery, uh, Jaden Martell. Is that the kid? Is that the kid? That kid was, was that kid? Uh, was this the kid from uh, It? It. It was from it. Was he? Oh, he's not the kid. Phil Denbro. Brightburn. And I think he's young uh, Star Lord. Young Star Lord. Was he in Brightburn, or am I? Is that another kid? Is that? Yeah, I think. Another kid. I think. Yeah. Fuck. I don't know what the fuck's going on anymore. Pablo Schreiber. Pablo Schreiber's oh, yeah. clean shaven. Pablo Schreiber. You're looking at him. You're like, who's that guy? Who is that guy? Oh, <laughs> that's a that's a clean shaven Pablo Schreiber. Um, Named Neil. What's that? His name is Neil. I'm his sure. name is Neil, and he's a dick. Yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, apparently, J.K. Simmons shows up in this show eventually. He hasn't, but he's also going to oh. be in this one. Um, Paul, uh, you've watched the first three. Neil, you've watched the first two. Neil, uh, what did you think about this one? This is uh, Chris I Evans. Don't... Crazy. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was really well done. The story was compelling. Um, the acting was 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 good. Um, I, I thought the 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 use of tension was 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 pretty decent. I was kind of on the edge of my seat for most of it. Um, I'll give it a high taste. It. Um, I, I don't think it's convinced me to add another streaming service, but it's it, I, it's definitely worth checking out if you have it. Paul, yeah, I'm gonna give it a, a high taste. That I definitely plan on. Um, 
on seeing this whole thing through. Um, it definitely reminds me of that. We need to talk about Kevin movie a little bit. If you, if anyone's seen that from like 10 years ago, but um, it's definitely got you like, especially Neil said, like kind of on the edge of your seat, especially when you're trying to figure out what some of his classmates are up to. So I'm excited to see where that like storyline goes, but I thought the acting was great. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really, I think it's been done really well and I'm definitely excited to see, um, how it finishes. And now that you say JK Simmons is going to be in it, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. So you've basically at the beginning of this, you've got Chris Evans and he's like, you know, in a courtroom and he's talking, you know, he's, he, he's basically, uh, you know, as, as, as the former assistant district attorney, he's, he know like he's being questioned and he's usually the guy doing that job and it's so like here here it's been reversed and he's trying to protect his son um who at this point we don't know like in the present time like what's up with his wife we don't know what's up with his son all i do know is that during like these i don't know man and, and i don't I, only three episodes are out so it's it's not this is not a spoiler but um, his son might be dead because, like, he's using his son's name in the past tense while he's in the courtroom. So it's like, mm. I'm, I'm thinking, like, did, you know, what happened to the son? Like, you know, is the son dead? Um, but there's this murder of this young boy, 14-year-old boy, out in the woods and been stabbed three times. And you see, you see the crime scene. Uh, there's a fingerprint. And that's the fingerprint that they get, and it happens to be the son of Chris Evans, uh, Chris Evans, uh, character Andy Barber. Um, but there's other things. There's other things in play here. There's also a, a guy in the town who is um, accused, like he's a pedophile, been accused of like mm-hmm. grabbing a kid's crotch and all this other stuff. And so, like, like he's a, a suspect at one time. But their kind of focus shifts to Chris Evans' son. Because the fingerprint was there and the kid never spoke up. The kid never talked about it. Kid never said, you know, like, um, you know, yeah, I was, you know, maybe I was out in the woods or whatever. So there's, there's a lot of suspicion around the kid and, um, the story unfolds and you start to learn a little bit more about the kid. You learn about the relationship between the father and the kid, the mother and the kid. Uh, you see like, you know, this family is it's a media circus once the media finds out about this media is following them around it's destroying their family um and it's wild to see a guy who was like on the other side of this now be now be kind of like in the spotlight and, and, and be completely on the other side of this whole thing i find it fascinating i'm gonna give it a tupperware i i loved these first three episodes i am sucked in i already have a subscription to apple tv so i'm gonna continue oh, yeah. to watch this one um, but yeah, I love it. I'm going to give it a Tupperware it, just for the three episodes that I've seen. I don't know if it's going to stick the landing or not. It's only eight episodes and they're not going to do a second season, which is, I'm kind of really, I'm loving shows like this where it's like, we just know it's like one season. Like we know we're going to get a complete story here. Mm-hmm. And so I'm happy with that, that I don't have to come back and watch any more of this. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I love it. It's called Defending Jacob. And it's on Apple TV Plus, 
And, uh, yeah, if you have Apple TV, definitely check this one out. I think Chris Evans is doing a great job in this show. I think he's really, oh, really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was so confused. I thought he was a cop at first because he was at that crime scene kind of like calling the shots. Yeah. And I was like, God damn, are lawyers allowed to do this? Uh, so I was super confused, but it was, yeah. That was con- awesome. That was that. confusing for me, too. I was like, he's like, why is he investigating the crime scene? Why is he there? And he's like yeah. giving people at, like, he's like telling cops they're allowed to like come by it. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, do most uh, DAs get this kind of power? But yeah, it's super, super interesting. Uh, let's move on to the next thing here. The Midnight, this is another fucking Netflix thing. The Midnight Gospel on Netflix. Um, <laughs> set, in, set in chromatic ribbon, a space coaster named Clancy owns an illegal multiverse simulator. Through it, he travels through worlds about to have their own apocalypses, interviewing some of their residents for his space cast. So his space cast is basically like a podcast. Um, it's an adult animated television series. It's created by Adventure Times Pendleton Ward. He also did Bravest Warriors, if you've ever seen Bravest Warriors, um, and comedian Duncan Trussell. Uh, it's the first animated production from Ward for Netflix. Uh, the Midnight Gospel uses interview clips from comedian Duncan Trussell's podcast, uh, which is called Duncan Trussell Family Hour. So it takes clips from interview clips from the different guests from that podcast inserts them into these episodes where you've got Clancy going to through this illegal multiverse simulator going to these different planets and each planet can be bizarre and different in its own way and he meets different crazy characters and you see all this eye candy of crazy things going on but you're also listening to interview clips and then through like post they add different audio that they need to to make the episodes kind of make sense um (laughs) i'm gonna just start off by saying like i'm a huge fan of pendleton ward i love adventure time i think it is just like, like it's one of those shows like my niece and nephew grew up on you know when it came out you know like when they were five and six like this was on and they they got a kick out of it so i started watching and i was like yeah this is fun i love it i love adventure time this is great and so when I started watching this, at first I didn't know exactly what I was watching. All I knew is that I was listening to a really engaging conversation. But at the same time, I've got – and it's like the first episode is an interview of Duncan Trussell talking to Dr. Drew, um, Dr. Drew Pinsky. And so, like, no matter what your thoughts are on Dr. Drew, and I know, like – you know, I don't look as highly on him now as I used to back in the day, back in the Loveline days and things like that. But regardless of that, like what he's talking about, he's talking about they're having a talk- conversation about drugs like opiates and things like that and like really getting really deep into stuff. It's a fascinating conversation. But on the flip side, like on this planet that he's on, he's the president, but he's also like super short. But he's got a shotgun. He's going around shooting like this planet's been invaded by like the whole planet has been invaded by zombies. So he's going around defending like his version of the White House and fucking killing zombies and and trying to protect people. And so but you're listening at the same time where all this action is happening. You're listening to like this podcast. There's a lot going on. And I keep thinking to myself like this is one of those things where like you can go back because like sometimes I find myself Neil Paul. 
um, Jake getting sucked into the conversation and not paying attention to the animation. And then other times I'm just yes. like watching the animation and then like I'm missing on what they're saying. There's a lot of eye candy and a lot of ear candy too. Cause like the conversations go really fucking deep on this one. And there's a lot of, Oh my God, there's a lot of value in a lot of these conversations. And then there's a lot of just like, really crazy imaginative things going on within this, the, within the episodes that I just think that this is a, such a great concept. Um, I've, there's eight episodes. I've watched them all and I fucking Tupperware the fuck out of the midnight gospel. I think that this is fan fucking tastic and I hope we get season two, three, four. I hope that they can pull many more clips from this podcast and just keep like, giving us sensory fucking overload with this because I think there's, it's rewatchable too. There's, I could go and watch this again and get something completely different out of it the second time. Things that I missed the first time. There's so much going on. So much going on. I fucking loved it. I'm going to Tupperware it. Um, it's nice to see Pendleton Ward going more into the adult stuff. And yes, you can say that Bravest Warriors was more adult than, than, Adventure Time, which it was, but this is way more adult and experimental than even fucking Bravest Warriors. So I Tupperware the fuck out of this. Neil, what did you think? Yeah, I, I, I've gotten through four episodes. Um, for me, it, it's a show that I have to be in the right headspace to watch, um, which isn't always all the time. But I, I absolutely love it. Uh, I watched the, those first four episodes all at once. I just was so engaged, and I'm going to Tupperware it as well. It's like a it's like a, a really really bizarre acid trip yeah. animation. Yeah, and there's some great music along with the conversation, and yeah, the, the conversations that they have are absolutely fascinating. Um, the first episode is my favorite so far, but it, it's all really really good, and I highly recommend everybody check it out. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's just a, it's a fascinating show. Steven Root shows up as a character later on called Captain Bryce, and that is a fucking great episode. I love Steven Root. He voices quite a few characters within this show towards like nice. the later episodes. Um, Joey Diaz makes appearances. Um, a lot of these people I'd never even heard of before, to be quite honest with you, mm -hmm. that he interviews. Um, Paul, how many, did you get through any of this? Yeah, I got through the whole season. Um, <laughs> you're like you're like you're like me, dude. <laughs> well, and it was weird. Like it was definitely something. I kind of feel like Neil. I wasn't able. I wasn't able to binge the whole thing because I kind of had to take a step back and be like, "Holy shit, that was." Especially like my favorite episode was the second episode where they kind of go through like the the meat processing plant. I was. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I want to be on, <laughs> want to be on mushrooms right now or something. But it's just, it's just something I've never like. Just nothing to even compare it to. It was just, you know, it, it, it's like some of these episodes. I was only listening to the conversation, and then I went back just to watch the animation. Like, it's just kind of cool how it gives you a really cool rewatchability factor, as you were saying. But yeah, it's really. It's a really fucking cool concept and Tupperware all the, you know, Tupperware all the way. Yeah. Your internet's kind of fucked up right now. I thought you might've been on acid or something. I didn't know. 
I don't know if the, I don't think this show's for everybody. I, I honestly think that some no. people are just going to watch this and just fucking be like, okay, this is what the fuck. I, you know, I'm, I can't get into this. This isn't, uh, you know, whatever. I, I, I can't compare it to really any other type of animated show or whatever that people are watching. But like, yeah, this isn't The Simpsons or something. I mean, it just, it, it's just, it's weird. It's bizarre, but I think it's a, it's a cool concept. And some of the conversations are super deep, man. Um, I think the last episode, I, I she's Denine Fendig. I don't know, but like he, he interviews this woman and she's like, basically it's his mother. Was that his mom, dude? It says I, it was on the description. His, his late mother. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause I knew like in the episode they were talking about how Jake, did you see this? No, no, I didn't. I just looked it up real quick. Yeah. Like in the episode, she's talking about how like, you know, she doctors had given her like six months to live and him and her talking about life and death and like, and uh, living, you know, being present in the moment and really living and stuff like that. And like the doctors had given her six months to live and how she'd been there for four years. And she, you know, you never know when it's going to come. Um, but uh, I kept thinking to myself, like, wow, like, and they have such a great relationship. Very open. They can talk about anything. Like at the beginning of the episode, she's talking about him being born and basically you know after what happened after he got born then he started sucking her tit and then she starts literally she's so funny she starts calling babies tit suckers like she doesn't even call them babies she's just referring to them as tit suckers and her son who's the comedian has to tell her to call them babies (laughs) like i i was just like your mom is so fucking cool (laughs) calling babies tit suckers and he had to fucking tone her down and he's a goddamn comedian. Um, yeah, I Tupperware this fucking show. I think it's, I think it's pretty fucking brilliant. And anytime you get Steven Root voicing any animated character, I fucking love it. Oh, yeah. I loved him. King of the Hill, Bill Dotrieve is like one of my favorite characters of all time. So, but yeah, I Tupperware the fuck out of this. Let's take a quick break. We're gonna let, we're gonna let Paul fix his internet. There she is here. Because, yeah, you were Mr. Roboto there, buddy. Oh, no. Yeah, you sounded like fucking, like, we were connecting to AOL in 1993 or some shit. (laughs) (laughs) You sounded like a late 90s Radiohead album. So, yeah. (laughs) Seven years. Seven years. Seven years. Jake, Jake's got his highbrow music comedy right now. He's like, oh, fuck, no music snobs are on this one. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, that one thought it. So, no, somewhere out there, there's somebody driving their car listening to this fucking thing, and they just snotted all over themselves, though, Jake. I hope so. I hope so. All right, let's take a break because my cat just knocked into my mixer and fucked up everything. (laughs) All right, we'll be right back.
right, we are back. We are <laughs> we are back. And Jake, we're on the attack, sir. Oh, always. Yeah. What the fuck? Nah, nah. All right, we're back. God damn it. I fucking, I hit stop on the record. Seven years. <laughs> that's not, that's not being on the attack. Did that part even go through? Did we record it, that? We, that got recorded. All right. Yeah. You're more on the defense. There. Oh, God damn it. I don't know. It's like I'm fucking like, uh, playing with my, with, I've got like my little portable recorder here that I plugged into the mixer and I hit stop on it. Like I was fucking like playing with this thing like it's a nipple or something. <laughs> uh, you need to get one of those fucking fidget spinners. Are those still a thing? Oh, so God. Fuck about those? Oh, those fucking fidget spinners. Those died out, didn't they? I'm surprised. Yeah. Oh, my God. I hate those things. You hated those things? Oh, yeah, because all my, all my students had them. Oh. Oh, God. Fucking terrible. And then, like, a lot of the parents would be like, well, it's just to help with their ADD. Like, well, it's going to make me fucking have ADD. Like, <laughs> It was insane. I hated those fucking things. I always wanted to get pictures of Sally Fields on one and call it a gidget spinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jake, let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, bounce back to my earlier statement on the attack, sir. Yeah, you're back. I'm you're back. back on the attack. I'm back. Yeah. Sally Fields joke. All the millennials and Gen Z got that one. They loved it. It went, it went over like your Radiohead joke, man. <laughs> uh, Neil, what do you got for good pop, bad pop? Yeah, uh, real quick. Um, if anybody is still jonesing for more Tiger King content, um, one of the podcasts I listened to, uh, The Murder Squad with Jensen and Holes. I think I've talked about that on the show before, but it's uh, Billy Jensen, who's an investigative reporter, and Paul Holes, the uh, cop who caught the Golden State Killer. They have oh, a podcast together. I thought that that was a porn star. <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> Paul Holes. <laughs> Paul Holes. Mm. <laughs> uh, uh, man. They just... They decided to do an episode on what happened to Carol Baskin's husband. Um, and, you know, being as they're both investigators, it was really interesting hearing their perspective based on the evidence that was not in the show um, that they had gotten from, like, the sheriff's department in, in Carol Baskin's home area. Um, they came to the conclusion – I'm not going to spoil it um, – but it, it's definitely worth a watch. It's about – or a, a listen. It's about an hour long maybe an hour 20 it's it's really fascinating and, and they are really knowledgeable about this kind of stuff so um i take what they say pretty seriously so that was really good um and then i decided a few weeks back to do an intensive rewatch of buffy the vampire slayer and angel uh concurrently as like as they w would have been released i never watched that show which one? Either one? Both. Yeah. 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 Have anybody else watched it? No. Yeah. I actually just purchased the entire season or the entire series of Buffy on iTunes. It's on sale for 25 bucks for all seven seasons right now. Oh, nice. I watched yeah, the, I watched, I watched the, 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 was it the, uh, Swanson? What's her name? 
Christy oh, Swanson. The movie. Yeah, Christy, yeah. yeah Christy Paul Swanson, Rubin. Luke Perry, and uh, Paul Rubin. Yeah, I watched that one. I just never watched the Rucker series. Rucker Howard, too. Rucker Howard. Sutherland. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot, like, you know, like, uh, well, I didn't forget, but I, like, it's one of those things where, like, the TV show came out, I just never watched it, but, like, it's got a huge following, like a huge cult following. Um, mm-hmm. I just read an article tonight. Well, I did, I hate it. I, why, why do I say that? I read an article today. <laughs> I didn't read an article today. I saw an article titled, Dolly Parton was a secret producer on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Did you guys see that? Yeah. Yeah, she uh, she had a production company with one of the producers of the show, so she was never like a fan or anything. But her production company was part of the producing agents of the show. Okay, sorry, Neil, to hijack. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, I hijack it and I bring nothing to it. You know what I mean? Like I add no. no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like the uh, I, I, yeah. I add no nutritional value to anything. I'm like the fucking <laughs> what is that corn syrup that corn, you know what, what is that what's that shit called that they put in in all the foods now? High they, fructose. I, I, yes, I am the high fructose fructose corn syrup. Of uh, of podcasting, I bring no nutritional value to any conversation. <laughs> you just read an article; you had to speak up. I didn't even read the article; I just fucking I read the title, <laughs> and then I try to come on. Thought no one existed. Yeah, I, I come on here like I'm trying to talk to you about like an article, like 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 of somebody that fucking like read the Cliff Notes version of a book. And they're trying to tell you like the ins and outs of this book, and then like the, a guy that actually read that fucking book comes up and schools you and shit. <laughs> I'm. The guy who just reads titles of articles. <laughs> I'm even worse. <laughs> I'm even worse than the guy that actually read Cliff Notes. <laughs> Go ahead, Neil. You're watching. You're watching Angel, which Angel was a spinoff of Buffy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so there was three seasons of Buffy, and then uh, they spun Angel off, and they ran concurrently for four seasons. And then after season seven of Buffy, Angel had one more season. Um. And I didn't watch these live. Uh, I didn't get into it until, I don't know, probably near the end of the series. Um, then I guess, according to my Facebook memories, I watched Angel 10 years ago, uh, yesterday. <laughs> um, but this was an intense experience. Anniversary's all over the place, man, Jay. I, know, I right? mean, big anniversary. Yeah, what a special night. You thought we had something special with, with seven years of PCL, man. Neil's celebrating 10 years of Angel. Yeah, 10 years ago, he watched an episode. 10 years yeah, ago, I, I'm checking, I'm, I'm checking my, I'm checking my Facebook. Hold on. 10 years ago. I, oh shit. Jake, we're celebrating 10 years of me watching Chris Angel Mind Freak. <laughs> oh, is that true? Now I want to see my memories. Wow. <laughs> Go, I'm sorry, Neil. Hijack it again. High fructose. It's all right. it's all High right. fructose. I hope everybody's enjoying that corn syrup. <laughs> um, this was a really intense experience, just being completely uh, immersed in, in this world that had been created. Um, I mean, this, this, these shows have some of the best, like, late 90s alt rock soundtracks. Um, like, the, the theme songs, uh, Buffy by Nerf Herder and Angels by Darling Violetta are both absolutely fantastic. Um, there is, obviously, looking back on it, it, it's a product of its times, and there's some problematic stuff in it, but they did do a really valiant effort at, at um, 
providing some sort of representation of like um, LGBTQ rights and whatnot. Um, it really pushed a lot of boundaries. I remember hearing about it at the time that you know, they're, oh my God, this is what happened on Buffy. They're like, oh, what? And both like both socially and creatively, they did a lot of interesting stuff. Um, like my favorite episode of TV of all time. Uh, is an episode of Buffy. And you, you guys know that I am not a musical guy, but the episode Once More With Feeling, which is the musical episode of Buffy, is it, it's absolutely fantastic um, if you have the context of what's going on around it, like what happened for the... It's a season six show or episode, so it's you had five and a half years of living with these characters and, and really bonding with them and the, the songs in it are amazing. Uh, you can really see some of the talent that was assembled for this, these shows. Like, uh, the guy who plays Giles, uh, Anthony Stewart head is a really, really good singer. He was in, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, repo, the genetic opera, Anthony Stewart head. Well, yeah, I thought he was in a porn with Paul holes. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right <laughs> same guy yeah yeah you know um, the, so there's 254 episodes of both of these combined uh, which is about 182 hours Jesus and you and did it you did it three weeks man three fucking three weeks. nothing else oh, yeah it was insane. It was, it was, as I said, it was a really intense rewatch. <laughs> I don't recommend doing it this way, but I was committed and I, and I did it and it was, whew, it was something. Um, like Stephen Denight, you know, the daredevil yeah. guy. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. And then, and Drew Goddard both were writers for Angel. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. And there, I think I prefer Angel as a whole because it is a darker show. It's a more, it's, uh, more adult. Um, there's no, it's not set in high school, obviously. So it's dealing with more adult problems than Buffy did. But Buffy, I mean, obviously had a lot of, um, tie into real world monsters and issues that people were dealing with at the time. Um, and I do think that season five of Angel is the best season of all the shows because the production value jumped and then they, uh, brought Spike over from Buffy. Uh, to team up with Angel and that dynamic of, of um, David Boreanaz and James Marsters is so much fun to watch because they're antagonistic but they're both really good in these characters um, and <laughs> but even though Angel was a darker show there was a lot of really funny stuff in it like one episode Angel gets turned into a puppet <laughs> and it's like kicking ass as a fucking puppet it's so funny um yeah so this was this was a hell of a thing to that i did and i recommend everybody watch the shows but maybe not in the way that i did are you okay How, you, uh, coming out on the other side of this three-week binge are you all right man you okay uh, I'm, I'm getting back to normal I'm, I'm starting to get back to normal Jesus. it's been weird <laughs> i'm talking about like i've been i've been doing like a family matters you know watch here rewatch and and, and and i you know it's been going on for about six months now and i'm only in season three and i i feel i feel fine and jesus you, you did 182 hours 
Yeah, in three or, or weeks. About around there. That's insane. Yeah, dude. that's insane. Yeah. It was insane. My favorite episode of the whole series is uh, well, my favorite season is Buffy season four, and my favorite episode of the whole thing is Hush. Hush is great. Hush is a great episode. So yeah, and I think um, Buffy can one one of the great things about the show is it could be very campy and also mm-hmm. be very very serious, and they get you laughing so hard, and then when they hit you with the serious, it almost just like oh yeah knocks you for a block even more um they deal with some serious death in buffy summer's family and yeah, those episodes body, are, that yeah yes just some gut-wrenching television and i mean mm-hmm. there's it's really wild um i believe it's either season four or season five where the show was effectively canceled for a moment before it moved from one network to another and yeah, you uh, can actually end of season five yeah okay you can actually see like that they meant this certain episode to be the last episode. And mm-hmm. it's really interesting the way they pick back up because they pick back up in a way that makes you feel like you missed three episodes in between. But yeah. that actually becomes part of the story and you find out why it feels that way later on in the season. And it's just some really brilliant writing. Um, they do such a great job in it's a very much a monster of the week show. But even the filler episodes matter and are big time mm-hmm. canon. And it's just wild that something that you thought was the most throwaway filler episode a season and a half later will be so important. Yeah, because there's so much like character development that takes place in those filler episodes that become important later on. Yeah, it, like, exactly. It, I really liked how adaptable they were with the shows. Um, like the character of Spike was only supposed to last five episodes total. But because he, James Marsters was so damn good, they brought him back and he became a series regular and then jumped over to Angel once Buffy was was, was done. And it, it's there's a lot like Faith was another one of those characters that they uh, was a, supposed to be a short run character. Uh, Anya wasn't supposed to make it past like two episodes or three episodes. And she became a series regular. Um, and so they, I think the writers and, and, and Joss Whedon, they had a really good sense of what they had with the actors playing the certain characters that they were playing. And they really I'm not a big fan of uh, late season Spike in Angel. I got to tell you, though. Really? It becomes, oh, it becomes it. too fan service for me, and he's such a goody two-shoes. <laughs> and I think it takes, away, it takes away a lot of the drama that Spike was involved with with Buffy in that Buffy season six. I think it's kind of a cop-out for as heavy as yeah. they went with Spike to do what they season seven spike well season seven spike in buffy is definitely a a weird character but i think just the relationship that he and angel have is so much fun to watch because they they like they've known each other for so goddamn long they've hated each other for so goddamn long and now they're both kind of dealing with similar circumstances and have to try and pretend to get along it's it's a, it's a really fun dynamic to watch those two, I think. Yeah, it's not without merit. I just don't like how they kind of short sell the Buffy series finale with mm-hmm. fan service less than a year later. Yeah, I, I get that. I totally get that. Uh, Paul, doesn't it feel like we're out to dinner with like two people that watch <laughs> Buffy and we're just like, what the fuck? Uh, it's like, and it's like, it's like, we're all like, like, we're all like friends. We like, we all know each other somehow, but like these two just met for the first time. And it's like, <laughs> finally, like they have somebody to talk to Buffy about Buffy. And like, now we're just fucking like eating mozzarella sticks and twiddling our thumbs. 
and waiting for them to fucking get done talking about Buffy, right? I do have well, a question, though, for Neil. Oh, uh, fuck. Yeah. You're not helping anything, say, Paul. I know I'm not helping. Jesus I'm very, Christ. I'm very interested because um, – after your rewatch, do you have any interest in reading the comic book series that like started off? I guess I, I guess it's canon. To yeah, with- after the fall. Okay. Angel after the fall is the what happens after like the cliffhangery ending of, of season five of Angel because they got surprised by their cancellation because the ratings were up, um, viewership was up. So I guess what happened was uh, Joss Whedon forced the WB's hand a little bit and they decided to cancel it instead of uh, waiting until they usually did and getting picked back up. But yes, I, I have been looking at trying to find those comics. Um, like I guess because there's a season eight of Buffy comics that I am interested in looking at. And yeah, I mean, I say don't do it No. Yeah. I read the first trade of season eight. And I thought it was terrible. Mm. Okay. They did the did you same. read After the Fall? I did not. I just read Buffy Season 8. Okay. I, I'm, I'm really interested in After the Fall because it takes a lot of it's a lot of the ideas that were going to be in Season 6 of Angel. Um, and it's written by Joss Whedon himself. So I'm, I'm definitely interested in yeah. that. But. I believe what happened was they had like five episodes left to film when they found out they were canceled too. So you see yeah. this, it's like all of a sudden everything's ramped up to 11 because yeah, exactly. they just found out the show was ending in five episodes and they have five episodes to wrap everything up. So it's a little bit cleaner than it's a cliffhanger ending and the show is just over. Like the after right. the fall name is a little bit misleading. Like, they did know the show was ending and they were filming five more episodes. So right, it's not, right. don't let Neil scare you away from watching the show. They, they <laughs> no, it, no it closure does, and you have to read it does end, comic book. It does end on the, I mean, like I would be totally satisfied if there was no comic book um, afterwards, because it does have a, a proper ending that's fitting for that particular show. You know, that last line, like let's get to work is kind of the embodiment of what the show is all about. Um, and so it definitely works as as a as a season a series finale on its own. Um, and I, and I, I watched these on Hulu, so they're all available there for free on, if you have Hulu. Real quick to the person that's hitting the skip ahead forty five seconds button. <laughs> yes, we're still talking about Angel. Yes, we're still talking about. So I just want to let them know. And I, again, I want to blame Paul. Thanks. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, I did. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> but watch the shit, man. It's really fucking good. It really is good, good television. And it's a time capsule for that era. And it's, it's a lot of fun to look at it. And one of the things I was thinking about uh, looking at their post MCU eyes was they could have, if it had been made now, there would have been a lot more connectivity and a lot more crossover between the two shows. And I'm not sure if that's, that would have been detrimental or, or helpful to it, but it's definitely something that came across my mind. Oh God. We, I heard a lot come across your mind within the last. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I had a long thing. No shit. <laughs> uh, I watched, uh, no wonder Neil's not been on for three weeks. Jeez. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> I watched uh, all three episodes of the uh, comedy special Middle Ditch and Schwartz on Netflix. 
this is Thomas Middleditch from Silicon Valley and Ben Schwartz from Parks and Rec, and they perform a two-person long-form improv show. Uh, each episode basically starts with them coming out and getting the crowd all pumped up and then asking people to, you know, shout out one thing that they're looking forward to, like one thing that they'll, and, and then they'll pick one of those things, have a discussion with this person in the crowd who explains a little bit more of like, what they're, you know, looking forward to. This first couple in the first episode, we're talking about, you know, a wedding and how they met their friends in a parking lot. And it's, the stories just get a little bit more bizarre with like these people. And then Thomas Middleditch and Ben Schwartz do a like off the cuff, just fucking 100% improv story with all the elements that they heard from the people in the crowd. And it, I'm, I, I'm not going to talk about this too much, but I'm going to tell you, I watched all three fucking episodes and I loved the fuck out of this. I thought it was hilarious. And these guys, like they break the fourth wall quite a bit. Um, when Ben Schwartz forgets how to use like a certain accent, he was talking German at one time <laughs> mm-hmm. and then the, it went from German to Russian or something or Ukraine or something. And it was it, like watching Thomas middle, just like break and just be like, <laughs> and say something like you've changed. <laughs> just <laughs> cracked me the fuck up. I I Tupperware the fuck out of this. I think this is some of the funniest stuff that I've seen. Like this is like it ranks right up there for me as far as like um like Mr. Show, you know, when that was on HBO and how funny that was. Like this is right up there. I absolutely loved it. These guys are just brilliant and bounce off of one another so well. Um, the second episode I was thinking like didn't start off great and then it just continued uh, <laughs> and it got so hilarious. Um, I, I fucking loved it. Thank God Neil was not in attendance to any of this. And what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to doing a Buffy and Angel rewatch. That's like, oh my. But I fucking, I Tupperware the fuck out of this. Anybody else get to see any of these episodes or? Oh yeah. Yeah. I watched the, I watched the second episode on your recommendation, Brian. And yeah, this was an absolute Tupperware. It was just hilarious improv. I loved how they would do so many different characters and they would, each do the different characters like mm-hmm. they would flip-flop who was doing different characters and it almost became like a sadistic memory game between the two of them trying to remember <laughs> each character's name and position on the stage <laughs> them crack them cracking up at trying to keep track of all the, the logistics of it all just had me just rolling um yeah i thought this was fucking hilarious i'm definitely gonna watch the first and the third episode too yeah they're great Neil? Yeah, I watched all three. Um, (laughs) I I fucking Tupperware this as well. I absolutely love improv. I am terrible at doing it, but I love watching it, Um, especially when it's done by masterful uh, guys like these. Yeah, Um, yeah. It was, I was cracking up so goddamn hard, just laughing my ass off almost the entire time. And it it is so much fun. This show is exactly what i needed to get me out of my <laughs> my weirdness <laughs> oh god yeah this is a palate cleanser to the three weeks of buffy and angel that you fucking subjected yourself to yep. jesus that's like that's like it's like fucking water torture or something i don't how could you do that just um yeah like if you've ever had anybody like come up to you or i don't know so some people like come up to you and be like oh you should do improv you'd be great at watch this 
and then you'll realize how untalented you are and how you should <laughs> never how you should never attempt improv and it doesn't matter that you know that that one friend told you that oh yeah you should do improv you're funny you should do improv watch this and then have a fucking uh slice of reality because like these two are fucking great at it just because you had like that one guy in your fucking chem class tell you that you fucking oh you should do improv it, <laughs> fuck off like seriously like these two these two are fucking funny this not everybody can do this like if you watch the old episodes of who's lined it and is it anyway you know with like um Oh God! What are those Ryan guys? Styles. Ryan Styles and Colin. Colin Mockery. Con- yes, like those guys were great. Like, not everybody yeah. can do this. Not everybody can do this. And these guys are just masters. What do you think, Paul? Oh, I'm gonna echo everything that was said, and I definitely agree with Jake. I loved that they would uh, totally be different characters because usually the improv I'm familiar with, nobody. Like everyone just sticks to one character like they were jumping all over the place and just the world they were creating just off of like a question I thought was just hilarious. Uh, They definitely make it look easy. So, yeah, a lot of fun. And this isn't one of those like I, you know, like I've gone to some improv shows where it's kind of like they have people pull something like pull us and they pull like a scenario out of a bag. Mm-hmm. It's not improv, man. Like they know what they know all the suggestions that are already in that bag. Like this is fucking true improv where people are just making shit up on the spot. This is this is pretty fucking incredible. I Tupperware the fuck out of it. It's called Middle Ditch and Schwartz and it's on Netflix. I Tupperware it. I watched the show, reality kind of game show. Win the wilderness. Have you guys started this thing? I finished it, yeah. yeah. You finished it? I did. You okay? I'm, I finished three episodes. It's six British couples compete to impress the current elderly owners of a remote yet breathtaking property in Alaska. The winners will win the property deep within the Alaskan wilderness. So it's basically six British couples uh, come, go to Alaska in this remote, um, this fucking in the wilderness in Alaska, and it's this fucking house that this guy built. Like this is like a. This is like a like a wilderness man. He knows all about yeah. the he's like wilderness man that knows like so much to the point where he's fucking he lost an eyeball somewhere. Like somewhere <laughs> in his and he's wearing an eye patch. Like somewhere in his fucking travels and being a wilderness guy, an eyeball was lost. You know, like that's that's legit, man. I was like, holy shit, was, did this guy work for Joe Exotic? What the fuck happened here with this guy? He's, he's got a fucking uh, Nick Fury fucking eye patch. What's going on? Lost an eyeball. Old couple fucking went. He walked 57 miles into Alaska and found a spot in the woods. And he was like, yep, this is where I'm going to build it. And for nine years, they lived in like this little fucking uh, shed. Shanty. Shanty that they fucking built. And... Now, the whole premise of this game show is that they have to impress, what is it, Dwayne and Irma, Dwayne and Ira? What's her fucking name? Dwayne, oh, Dwayne what is and, her name? Dwayne and I remember. Mabel? Something like that. Margaret? <laughs> is it Margaret? Is it? I'm <laughs> looking at Beyonce? <laughs> Am I off? Jake, did you start this fucking thing? 
No, no, I did not. All right. I, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, so, so the, the, it, like on, on a lot of game shows, you know, reality stuff, and you know, like like uh, you get the chance to like win, like uh, you know, like Survivor or whatever. You get the like a million bucks if you survive out here. <laughs> on other reality competition shows, you might get the fuck Brett Michaels or something, or or you get a rose, or you might get the fuck Flavor Flav or whatever. In this one, you get to live like in the wilderness. In a house, and you gotta do a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not easy living out there, man. Like this guy, goddamn it! I got tired watching this fucking show. I got, <laughs> I got from all the work that they have to do. And he's talking about like, yeah, you know, like they have to do like these different challenges, where you know, like oh, yeah. now we're gonna have to build a tent. Who can build the tent the best? And like this one guy sits there and watches them, and then he reports back to the old couple, like, "Oh, this couple did it really well. They they built the tent really great." And then like then they get interviewed by the old people, and the old people are like, you know, asking them questions about like, "How would you, you know, if, if you won, if you won the house, like, what would you do with it?" And these old people are so protective of this house. They like they want to make sure like whoever moves into this fucking house is like gonna keep up with it and shit. And I, dude, I, dude, I'm fucking out on like the show's okay. It's all right, but I'm fucking out on like the prize here. Like, I, I, like you know, when you're talking about other shows, it's like, oh, you get to win a million bucks, or I get to fuck Flavor Flav. Like, yeah, those are cool. This is like you get to live out in the woods and maybe and fight off bears and potentially lose an eyeball. And fucking, dude, they're remote, dude. They had to fucking clear fucking trees to make a landing strip for planes for people that want to visit them. So it's not like they, they ain't got neighbors out there. And then they're talking about firewood and this whole process of girdling trees. Whoa. What? What? Girdling trees? I got to do what? I got to girdle them? If I asked you, what if, even is that? Th- thank you. <laughs> Those are the only things that you fucking find out about if you're dumb enough to live out in the goddamn woods, Jake. I ain't got a girl, no fucking trees. I want to live fucking one mile away from a target, man. I don't want to fucking live uh, two hundred fucking miles away from like the nearest civilization. It's ridiculous. No, yeah, even the prize doesn't sound worth all that work. I know, I don't, and I don't think these couples know what they're in for. Like, I don't think, like, I don't think some of them really fucking know what they're in for. I just want to see oh, one wow. of these couples, like, fucking tap out and be like, whoa, we just thought it'd be cool to come out to Alaska <laughs> and check out some fucking, you know, maybe see some cool <laughs> shit. This is a lot of work. That dude ain't got a fucking eyeball. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, Paul, what do you think of this, man? You finished this shit. Six- I did finish. I, I just had to. I had to see who would win because in my notes I put this is a really disappointing version of Ready Player One um, where these people have no heirs to give their prize possession away, so they just pick you know, six couples to kind of fight for it. And, yeah, it was just – and, like, the thing is they were in Alaska during the summer. They weren't even in it during the winter like the actual hard part yeah which is probably even 10 times worse but yeah the last episode gets pretty fucking nuts because that's when they start to realize like dude like not only we're, we're not just winning the house but like we gotta fucking we gotta plant our own gardens and make our own vegetables and all this shit like yeah. it was really starting to get to like especially like the women 
Jake, the guys out there hold on girdling trees, which, Jake, you still have no idea what the fuck that is unless you're Googling that shit. No, no, I did not. <laughs> There's like this thing where you like cut a tree a certain way and then it dries out and then later on you fucking chop it down and now you can use it as firewood. And then the wife is fucking pulling rhubarb out of the fucking she, there's a rhubarb garden and she's Christ. pulling rhubarb out of the garden. And I was like this is a lot of work. This is a whole lot of work. <laughs> this is the prize. You get to live in this these people's house and then work yourself to death. Until you die? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound great. I'm watching TV to relax, not feel out of breath. Seriously, <laughs> let me just fuck Flavor Flav and we'll call it a day. How about that? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ridiculous. Neil, did you watch any of this? Yeah, I've watched uh, three and a half episodes. Yeah. Um, I really like it because, I mean, I grew up in the forest. My parents have 20 acres of woods. So this is a lot of the stuff that they're doing in here is stuff that I, I grew up doing and will continue to do as long as we have the property, um, you know, clearing paths and getting firewood and all that kind of stuff. Um, You've girdled? No, we don't girdle trees where I am because we don't need to. <laughs> I understand the reasoning behind it because you want dry firewood, but you don't want the wood to rot on the ground. Yeah. Um, so I really, it really spoke to me because I've done a lot of this stuff and I took an hour bound trip and I was in the wilderness for different kinds of wilderness for three months. So like when they're navigating up to that point, it's like, Oh, I've done that before. So there's a lot of stuff that's in this that I have experienced doing and I really like doing that stuff. So I, 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 I like it. <laughs> so, um, I, I don't know. I don't think the show itself is that great give it a, a taste it but i really like the idea of it and alaska is a beautiful beautiful place and you have to have a certain mental fortitude and inclination to want to live there yeah i don't know yeah it's, here's the thing i don't know jake it's just not it's not your typical reality competition show because it's like you don't have so far i'm three episodes you don't have like people backstabbing each other and all this other shit it's just people out there and trying to impress these old people so that they can live in their house and then fucking work for the rest of their lives and then die and hopefully keep both eyeballs. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in this show. Do they eliminate a couple every week or is it like a point based system? They're going to eliminate. They, they are going to eliminate people if they if they want to. They interview them. If they bring them up to the property and they're, they don't like their answers and shit, they can eliminate them. But I haven't seen that done yet. Could it happen when in, 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 you know, the last three episodes? I'm sure it could. I, don't spoil me, Paul. But I, I'm going to, I'm going to finish this one. <laughs> I'm going to finish this one, but it's not like, I don't, it's such a weird fucking show. It's, it's, mm-hmm. I'll give it a taste it and I'm learning stuff about like how hard it is out there. I'm also learning about how big of a pussy I am and how pampered I am in my <laughs> life and, and how, how content I am with that. <laughs> so <laughs> that's all that matters. Yeah, I've done hard work, man. I've done, you know, I've done some hard work in my day, and it's like, you know, but uh, choosing that as my lifestyle, like how? No, I would rather live fucking, you know, a mile away from a fucking Target, you know, I, and just be able to go to the store and fucking get carry out and do all this shit that we do. You know, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want to live, you know, fucking out 
it's and it's amazing what this guy's done. I'm not gonna lie. Like this house is fucking amazing, and he built it from the ground up. This log, this huge log cabin. Like it's fucking, it's pretty fucking incredible what they've done. And I'm not, I'm not knocking that. Like this is the life that they chose for themselves. Not what I would do. But like this is what they did. This is what this guy wanted to do. He wanted to live out there, and he wanted to fucking live off the land, and he wanted to fucking. And, and he did it, and it's it's amazing. He built an amazing home. It's pretty fucking incredible. It, like, you know, and um, but uh, it, I, I I don't know if these couples really know. I'm I, I gotta finish it too, Paul, because I gotta figure out like, is this legit? Like, I can't believe at the end of the day that whoever takes over this property is actually gonna fucking live the exact same way that these people did. Mm-hmm. There's got to be some other motive behind this. I don't know. It's just, it's so weird. Totally. So, when the wilderness also on Netflix. Everything's on Netflix. Everything. Middle Ditch and Schwartz that we just talked about. Netflix. It's like go to Netflix. Netflix is your one stop shop for fucking entertainment these days. Unless you're into porn. Yeah, that's for sure. Netflix is bad on that. Not even soft porn on Netflix, really. No, not really. Showtime's like, yeah, Showtime's rocking a little bit. They got like their own little softcore porn category there on Showtime. You want to watch a little Skinamax? Skinamax, yeah, they're doing it as well. (sighs) Paul, what do you got? Uh, So I was one of the people that spent twenty dollars and rented Trolls Part Two. And um, just going to be real quick, I definitely give it a Tupperware. I was expecting to hate it, and I just, you know, when we finished, I just really loved the animation. I loved the story, the message. It was a great way to spend a quarantine night, and yeah, that was – that's definitely a Tupperware. And then um, you got me into the dark side of the ring. I yeah. kind of fell into a dark side of the ring rabbit hole and watched like fucking seven of those um, so that's definitely a Tupperware, especially Which one's the Chris the, Benoit one. Chris Benoit, yeah, I, I finished it. I finished the season uh, this past week. Yeah, oh, the fabulous Moolah was good. Fabulous. Like all of it, all of it's so good. Did you watch Bruiser Brody? No, I did not watch Bruiser Brody. Watch yet. that one. I highly recommend it. Um, yeah, then I went back and watched the Montreal Screw Job just to hear Jim Cornette bitch about uh, Vince Russo is always fun. Yeah, oh god, and there's more. There, there's there's definitely more of that when they talked about. There was the episode where they did the, um, uh, what did they call it? Um, it's when they actually had the wrestlers box each other and fight oh, each other. Oh, the brawl for, real. for all. That the was brawl awesome. for all. Yeah, yeah. There was a yeah. lot more of that, and then. Um, this season the new jack episode oh my god that guy scares the shit out of me he is insane he's he is fucking legit insane i don't know why he's like not in prison (laughs) no shit like what he what he what he did to that 17 year old in the ring i could not fucking believe it like Mm. little over the top like i was fucking terrified like if i was a wrestler i would not i would refuse to wrestle that guy that is insane oh yeah yeah no no way but yeah dark side of the ring really fucking cool and it's on vice i don't have yeah i don't have a vice thing but they have a youtube channel up and they just put all the full episodes right on their youtube channel nice 
you just get a couple commercials. Um, but yeah, I watched uh, Love Wedding Repeat on Netflix, the mm-hmm. one-stop shop for it's the new Olivia Munn movie. Um, that's that's a toss it. Really, <laughs> it was fucking terrible. Um, like. The only cool experience was we did a Netflix party with some of the army members, so that was really cool. That that whole app is fun to do with like shit like that, but it just ah, oh, it makes no sense. Um, That's what I you guys chose really, to watch. Was that? Yeah, well, that was the set, like the first one uh, we watched. Too hot to handle uh, for a Netflix party, and then okay. And then Rebecca and I wanted to watch something terrible because we love watching terrible shit. And we saw Love Wedding Repeat had like a fucking 25% rating somewhere. We're like, yeah, let's do this one. Uh, okay, okay, okay. That yeah. Makes sense. Oh, yeah. No, we definitely wanted to watch something bad. But I yeah, was thinking was, to myself, like, who is, the, who's the, who's the person that fucking made you watch that shit? I was going to give them some shit. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no. That was definitely a group effort because we wanted to see something terrible, and it did not disappoint because it it definitely is. I think the concept is kind of cool, like a kind of like a Groundhog Day um, Russian doll type of thing at a wedding. But you don't like any of the characters. The dialogue is fucking stupid. Um, the acting is terrible. But uh, yeah, that is definitely a toss. It mm. and then I did watch Mrs. America on. Um, on the FX on Hulu, yeah, thing they got three episodes up, and I this, is this the new Ryan Murphy thing? I don't think it's Ryan Murphy. Really? Okay. Because yeah, all his new stuff's going to Netflix, and Hollywood is coming out soon. That's his first Netflix thing, I think. Or yeah, one of his first. Yeah, that that looks. I'm excited to to see that. But yeah, um, Mrs. America has Kate uh, Blanchett, Rose Byrne, um. And Elizabeth Banks, and it takes place in the 70s when um, they were pushing for the Equal Rights Amendment, and like one of the biggest protesters to that is played by uh, Kate Blanchett. And it's really, it was really interesting. I'm going to give it a high taste, and I'm probably going to try to finish out the out the season. But it was definitely a really interesting series to watch, especially when I didn't really know the history, and that was who one of the biggest proponents was. And then. Um, yeah, I'm sure we're going to talk about the other thing I watched, which was the Chicago Bulls documentary. Yeah, we're going to talk about that right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Last Dance on ESPN. The Last Dance is a, uh, a documentary uh, mini miniseries focusing on the 1997-98 Chicago Bulls. Uh, the series features film from a crew that had an all access pass to the Bulls during the National Basketball Association season. Uh, season. Um, yeah, so uh, if you've listened to the show, you know that I'm a huge Chicago Bulls fan. Uh, let me just start off by saying, like, I don't even, I, I don't, I don't even know. Do you, I don't even know if you have to be a huge basketball fan to watch and appreciate this. I, no. I, I think that I think that anybody could get into this because it, it, you know, I don't know. Michael Jordan was such a huge phenomenon, anyway. Um, I don't know. I, I, I was getting like, okay, for me being a huge Chicago Bulls fan. Like I'm looking right now, I've got a Chicago Bulls fucking soda machine in my kitchen. I've got a Chicago Bulls locker in 
<laughs> my I've got a Chicago Bulls locker out here. Um, like I used to have a Chicago Bulls room dedicated to all Chicago Bulls memorabilia. I have an insane amount of Chicago Bulls memorabilia. Um, I've seen the Bulls play in person many times. I saw this team back uh, when um, uh, the ninety five ninety six year. Uh, I went to Grant Park when they had their final championship celebration, got to sit in the seats at Grant Park, got interviewed on the radio that day, and then got my name in the paper that day. Uh, just guy coming around, doing interviews, got my name in the paper. So I'm a part of Bulls history, and I love the Chicago Bulls. Like this, I got so emotional watching this, and I remember a lot of these events unfolding um, as they were happening. Um, I hated Jerry Krause just like the rest of the Chicago Bulls fans. Um, I actually saw him in person back in 2002 before he passed away. And uh, he was at the Chicago Bulls luncheon, like way in the back. I paid for, it was a charity thing and you got to like eat dinner with the Chicago Bulls team. And it's kind of like a preseason thing. And it was all for charity. And, um, Got to hang out with uh, some of the Chicago Bulls and have them sign stuff, and it's very cool. But um, and then Jerry Krause was there. But um, I'm just rambling at this point because there's so much that I want to <laughs> say about this. Uh, it th- this is just unprecedented. Like all the footage and how they're presenting this story. It's going to be a ten part miniseries. They released the first two, and they let, I mean, they let a camera crew have access to that final season. Like we're talking about, we're talking about a team that was a dynasty. There's, there's dynasties in the NBA. I mean, the Celtics, who I believe and correct, correct me if I'm wrong, if you know, but like at one time before they introduced fucking, uh, uh, free agency and they could keep teams together a lot easier. I think like the Celtics like won like 11, 11 championships in a row or nine or 11 or something in a row. They've won a total of like six over 16 or something. It's ridiculous. But, um, the bulls were, you know, going into like their, their final year calling it the last dance because they were forcing legendary coach Phil Jackson out and Jerry Krause, the general manager, wanted to start his own – he wanted to start his own team from the ground up. He wanted to get rid of everything that they had and start, like, you know, rebuilding. And, like, you don't rebuild when you have a championship mm-hmm. team. It doesn't work. I don't think it's ever worked. Fucking uh, – the Milwaukee Bucks won one championship, and they won it with a guy named Lou Alcindor, and they traded that guy off – to the Los Angeles Lakers, and then he became Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and won championship. Milwaukee Bucks haven't won a fucking championship since. Nope, nope, it fucking sucks. Oh, look at look at you know the Red Sox got rid of Bay. <laughs> Red Sox got rid of Babe Ruth. I mean, you you fucking you don't get rid of you don't bust up a team when you're still winning championships. I personally think the Bulls had two more in them. And I think if Jordan wouldn't have fucking left those two years after his father got murdered, I think they could have won a total of 10 altogether easily. They definitely would have won those two years that fucking Houston Rockets won if Jordan was still in the game. I got super emotional during this. 
super emotional. See, just seeing like all the old players that I fucking used to watch on that team. You know, like guys like you know, just just even some of the role players like Judd Bushler. A fucking, you know, see, and like, if you're like, I was a diehard fan. Like, I knew Judd. Like, Judd's like, like when Judd wasn't playing basketball, he was fucking playing sand volleyball. That's what he was in. Like, fucking Australian Luke Longley. I fucking, uh, you know, Ron Harper. Some of these guys, Jason Caffey, fucking Bison Dele. Fucking, he fucking, <laughs> that guy, didn't he? I don't know if you guys know this story. He fucking like, they ought to do a true crime story on that guy. I think he like murdered his brother out in a boat. I got to look that one up. Shit. Yeah. Wow. But like the, this breaks this. It not only breaks down like that season, but it's also going back in the past. And it's talking to you about like, you know, Jordan in high school, Jordan yeah. at North Carolina interviews with teammates, James Worthy, uh, who I actually have met. I've talked about that on the podcast before, but I met James Worthy. Um, I got a bunch of fucking shit signed by James Worthy when I met him too. But, um, interviews with past teammates and then Jordan, and then, then they get into Pippin. They get into Pippin and like, you know, his childhood. They're breaking everything down, but they're also, it's a big focus on the last dance, their final season together. And we're talking like, like this team was incredible. Like that first year that they fucking came together, they had a record breaking 72 and 10. I know it's been beaten now by the Golden State Warriors, but at the time we thought nobody could ever win 70 games. Like who, uh, it was, uh, I think it was the Knicks or was it the Lakers that had that 69 game win? I think it might have been the Lakers. But, um, it was Lakers. yeah, I think it was the Lakers. Knicks haven't won fucking a championship since 72. <laughs> and Phil Jackson was on that 1972 Knicks team that won. Um, but, uh, this, this goes through contract disputes with Scottie Pippen being one of the lowest play, paid players in the NBA. This is back in that the day. That's insane. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. Scottie Pippen being one of the lowest paid players in the NBA. I remember Jordan fucking finally got a big payout, you know, 36 million for like that final season, which was insane. This is before they started putting like caps on, on basketballs, con- basketball contracts and stuff like that. But, um, I could talk about this forever, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to bore our audience talking about bulls. And I know like a lot of people either love this or hate this, but it, I, I think that everybody should watch this because it, you don't have to be a huge basketball fan. This was like, they were like the fucking Beatles, man, back in the day. Like when they went, when they played a game somewhere, it was, it was being televised and they were being talked about. I mean, fucking Dennis Rodman, Jordan, and Pippen on a team. It was insane. It was just, I don't know. Paul, I'll have you talk about it because I could, I could ramble on about this for fucking hours. Oh yeah. Um, it's definitely those first two episodes were a Tupperware and, you know, um, I am a Bucks fan, so I didn't know much about the Chicago Bulls. Like I didn't know like all this history, but you definitely knew like how important they were to kind of like the zeitgeist and how they, change everything but it was really like my big question is why did it take 22 years for this documentary to come out well they've had i mean they've had other documentaries um, okay they've had they've had a ton of documentaries that have come out this is just like 22 years after the fact where they're actually really talking about it you know post krauss's death um yeah what and happened? i wish he was still like that's the only thing i wish like there was more interviews of like 
him of of him exactly saying like what his thought process was you know but um he was he was he was jerry krauss was always jealous of the fact that he his quote and 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 they make it clear in this is that organizations yeah make great like his quote was like organizations make great teams not the players Player, yeah, like organizations like or, win championships. Win, organizations win championships, not players. And like that's a huge slap in the fa- in the in the face of all the guys that are fucking like pouring sweat on on that court every night. And Jerry Krause, yeah, especially is, for basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a like an almost individual sport. You sound like yeah, shit right now, Neil. I don't know what the fuck's going uh, on. It sounds like you're talking into like a fucking hollow Pepsi can or some shit. Well, I'm definitely not doing that. <laughs> Sounds. Yeah, you still sound that way. Yeah, yeah. Fix that Good shit, idea. bro. Um, I didn't see this special, but I did see that um, my hometown, Peoria, Illinois, was trending on Twitter for some pretty nefarious reasons because of this special. <laughs> Apparently, the Bulls were partying pretty hard here. Oh yeah, they did talk about that in the documentary. The traveling cocaine circus, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I found, so I found that to be pretty hilarious. Kraus wanted to, Kraus wanted to bust up the team and then built, cause like the one player that he didn't draft was Jordan. Jordan came before that and like they built the, they built the team around Jordan after that. <laughs> and honestly, yeah, he drafted Scotty Pippen, but like he got that from a tip from another scout that Scotty was going to be a great player. Um, he did bring in Tony Kukoc and like, oh yeah, he brought in Rodman, but like nobody else would take Rodman. They needed a rebounder because they lost Horace Grant to the Orlando Magic. It was a fucking no brainer. So, but, and then after the fucking Bulls got, you know, after they broke this up, he ends up, <laughs> he ends up fucking getting Tim Floyd, terrible fucking NBA coach. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure he was fine at Iowa State, but like terrible NBA coach. And then, they draft Elton Brand after that, who ends up being co-rookie of the year. And then like three years later, they trade Elton Brand for the number two pick, uh, of Los, An- the Los Angeles Clippers pick and they get Tyson Chandler and then they draft Eddie Curry, two seven footers that are, you know, supposed to be like Eddie Curry is supposed to be the next Shaq and Tyson Chandler was going to be the next Kevin Garnett. Neither one of them panned out. And I mean, Kraus just kind of like, you know, left the Bulls with like a team that just couldn't compete. Uh, but, uh, who, who's playing with shit? Is that you, Neil, trying to fix your shit over there? What's going on? I'm muted. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, Jake, are you hearing that noise? That like it sounds like Spurs. It sounds like it's like no. It sounded like Boba Fett was walking into the scene. <laughs> <laughs> I saw on Reddit that it was Boba Fett. Yeah, I didn't hear it though. To be fair, this fucking documentary exploded though. An average of six point one million viewers tuned in to watch the first two episodes of this documentary series, and. Like, the debut episodes mark the two most viewed original content broadcasts on ESPN's network since 2004. Wow. 
an average of 3.5 million who watched the episodes were between 18 and 49. ESPN had originally scheduled to, uh, to scheduled the series to air in June, but with the coronavirus pandemic suspending play, the top executives decided to move up the program's debut. So they're going to wait until June when the playoffs were over. You know, probably after the NBA draft or whatever, and then air this. But they moved it up, and like it just fucking exploded. But man, I'm I'm like I'm watching old clips of Jordan. I'm watching Jordan, you know, fucking go off scoring on you, know, like you know, the Boston Celtics that game. I'm watching just all these old games with fucking like Jordan fucking just blowing up. And uh, do you guys remember when he came back? Do you remember when he came back and he was wearing 45? Mm-hmm. Do you know Do you know why we wore 45? Nope. His mm-hmm. brother. Larry, who they actually talked to Larry in this documentary that he was always competing against, uh-huh. wore 45. That was his number. And Jordan said, I'll never be, I'll only be half as good as my brother. So he wore 23. That was his number. Oh. So when he came back, he wore 45. Um, thank God he went back to 23. I hated that 45. Uh, and then do you know why Jordan always stuck out his tongue when he fucking dunked? Nope. No. When Jordan would watch his dad work on cars and stuff like that out in the yard, his dad was like, you know, very mechanical. And his brother was too. They were very good at that kind of shit. His dad would stick out his tongue when he concentrated. So Mm. Jordan idolized his father, always wanted his father to, his father's approval and his love. So when Jordan dunked and was playing basketball, when he was concentrating hard, that's what he started to do was stick out his tongue. So uh, that's cool. I always yeah. thought it was just to look cool on the slam dunk poster. Uh, uh-uh. uh, uh-uh. he is a very tight knit family and he was, his family raised him very well. He's just, uh, Jordan is my fucking hero. I fucking love that guy because it goes back to some of the best memories I have are me and my dad and my, just my family, me and my family just sitting around watching Chicago Bulls games together. Like we kind of bonded. We didn't always have like the greatest relationship growing up, but man, when we got together and we watched Bulls games, it, it didn't matter. Like I, I'm fucking on, I'm fucking bouncing up and down on the fucking sofa. Nobody's saying anything. It didn't matter because we were watching a Bulls game. I was fucking, you know, hitting the floor when the Bulls would score. Or like, you know, just it, it, we got so into it, man. It, we got so into it. So yeah, I don't know. I, I tupper with the fuck out of this. I think everybody should watch it, and um, you'll have an. I, I think you'll have an appreciation of this team and and the adversity that they went through. And and man, oh, when they talk about trading Scottie Pippen, man, I remember that shit going down. Like they were, and you know who they were talking about trading him for, Paul? Uh, no, Juwan Howard. Like they they haven't brought it up in the dro- documentary, but like they they were seriously talking about trading fucking Scottie Pippen for Juwan Howard, and it's like, yeah, he's a younger player, very talented, but I mean, never, n- never the caliber of Scottie Pippen. I mean, ah, and I did not realize how stacked that 1982 uh, NCAA championship game was with uh, Patrick Ewing for mm. Georgetown. I didn't realize. Just like how stacked of a game that was until they showed the clips from it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
That was fucking insane. And another cool thing is if you go on the ESPN app, they actually offer you two versions. You can watch the TV 14 version where they edit out all the cuss words, or you can watch the MA version where nothing's edited out. That's I'm going to have to start watching that one. I didn't know about the two different wow. versions. Yeah, yeah, that one's yeah, it's really cool. Krause was hated. Krause was hated. Jerry Krause was hated in Chicago, man. Oh my god. Oh my god, when Jordan's fucking making fun of him, uh he's asking like, or oh, those the pills that keep you short or those diet pills? He just they he did, looks so deflated. They man. did that shit all the time to that guy, man. All the time. They all fucking gave him shit all the time. Well, well after he makes comments like that, you got fuck yeah. You know, and, 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 and just the petty bullshit of, of, of like, what did the owner of the Bulls say? Like, uh, he went out of his way to invite everybody else to his daughter's wedding, including this guy he was grooming to be the next coach and not Phil Jackson. Yeah. It was just petty bullshit. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's terrible. It's terrible. They could have, I, I honestly think that that team, they could have won two more after that. They could have won two more after that. And you can argue that Scottie Pippen was injured, but I still think they, I think, dude, I'm fucking watching this. I'm fucking watching this documentary and I'm like, like, I'm like, I'm like yelling out, like I see them with their physical trainer. I'm like, oh, Chip Schaefer. That's fucking Chip Schaefer. Like these guys are fucking, these guys are fucking like legends in my mind. And I'm, I'm like freaking out over the trainer, Chip Schaefer, <laughs> who I haven't thought of Chip Schaefer in years, but there he is. It's like, you know, I, they haven't gotten into Johnny Red Kerr and Norm Van Lee or any of the other people that are Bulls personalities that I fucking love either. But I love this documentary series. It's called The Last Dance and it's on ESPN. Anybody can watch it. And I'm telling you, it's fucking fascinating. It's fucking fascinating. Did you guys watch Extraction on Netflix? Yes. 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 This is uh, in an underworld of weapons dealers and traffickers. A young boy becomes the pawn in a war between notorious drug lords trapped by kidnappers inside one of the world's most impenetrable cities. His rescue beckons the unparalleled skill of a mercenary named Tyler Rake. But Rake is a broken man with nothing to lose, harboring a death wish that makes an already deadly mission nearly impossible. Instructed uh, by Sam Hargrip. He's directed before, but he's mostly known for his stunt work on movies. Um, so he's another guy kind of like Chad Stahelski that started as a stuntman first. And, you know, like Stahelski was on the Matrix films, did a bunch of stunts for those films, and then and then went on to do, you know, like um, the John Wick movies, and he's done some other stuff. Sam Hargrave, he's done stunts for... Uh, most of the Marvel movies, if you look up his IMDb, like Infinity War, Endgame, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Thor Ragnarok, even Deadpool 2. Like, this guy was a stunt coordinator on all those films. Um, and it makes sense uh, because the screenplay here is by Joe Russo. And so this is actually coming from Joe and Anthony Russo's new endeavor, their new studio, their production company, Agbo. So um, this one stars Chris Hemsworth, uh, David Harbour, uh, Rudd Rash, Jaiswal, Pankaj Tripathi, Randeep Huda. Jeez, these names are hard. Derek Luke, Faye Masterson, Mark Donato. Uh, Gold Shifta Farahani. So yeah, it's, um, um, just a total action guy flick with, uh, with Chris Hemsworth being a badass and, uh, and it basically starts off with, uh, 
this this you know you've got this weapons dealer this drug lord or whatever with um with his kid being kidnapped by another drug lord and so the one drug lord's kid who's been kidnapped he's in prison so he gets like his you know right hand man to hire chris hemsworth to get his kid back damn well knowing that they don't have the money to pay chris hemsworth so i don't know a lot can happen in this one i don't know what did you guys think about this movie i'll start with you neil extraction i really like this um i give it a high taste it it was it was somewhat predictable as far as the story goes but it was really well executed in doing that um i thought the locations were really fun to look at they were in australia they're in india they're in bangladesh um and i really really liked the the cinematography with a lot of the really long takes like the the single take action scenes and the car chases and um, I, when it first started, I loved the fact that the little warning in the top left uh, said a uh, strong, bloody violence throughout. <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I'd be really excited. <laughs> and there was, it was, it was strong, bloody violence throughout. Um, Chris Hemsworth has become my favorite Chris and I thought he did a really good job. I mean, he, it was a kind of a one note character, but he did it re- really well. Um, yeah, I thought it was a fun movie, and I, I highly recommend it. Paul? Yeah, I'm right there with Neil, and I think uh, I'm really happy that Chris Hemsworth kind of found his groove with this one because I know like his movies that aren't Marvel-related haven't done that great, so it was kind of cool to see him being a straight-to-Netflix movie that really f- kind of played to his strengths. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was just fun watching shit blow up and people die and... Uh, wasn't a huge fan of the ending, and then I was stupid and read what the director like. The director actually comes out and explains it in an article, and that kind of yeah. I read the same article even more. I read the article too. I'm not going to spoil the ending for people, yeah. but like the director said that the ending is meant to be ambiguous, and it can be anything that you want it to be. Yeah, and like. Maybe it was kind of irritating because he, he said why he changed it, that some audience members didn't like the uh, like the original ending. I don't know. But, yeah, I definitely give it a um, uh, high taste it. Jake. Um, I mostly hated this. Um, it's going to be a very low taste it for me. Um, I thought the plot was extremely predictable. Um, I, I did like the cinematography, especially in the car chase sequences. Uh, my biggest beef was this was I thought Chris Hemsworth was absolutely terrible in this. I, the plot has it where he's supposed to be this alcoholic. He's addicted to oxy, which they show the oxy in the most obnoxious. It's like it's a Pepsi can in a paid advertisement in a movie when they walk into <laughs> his room. And it's like a Walmart economy sized bottle of oxy, too, just so you know how addicted to this stuff he is. And I thought he never encapsulated encapsulated that character at all. Like this guy looked like he never missed a kale drink a day in his life. And I never once bought that he was this teetering on the edge alcoholic addicted to oxy guy and just didn't even understand why that subplot was there uh they revisited a little bit more in the david harbour scenes which were also just you know excruciating and predictable um yeah i thought this movie was 30 minutes too long 
Um, there was a cool movie in here, and the cinematography and the director definitely did quality work, but ugh, I, I thought Hemsworth was just awful, and the plot was pretty bland. Uh, I saw the other Russo brothers produced movie, 21 Bridges, which was okay, not great. On the flip side, I fucking loved this movie. I had a great time watching it. I thought it was a ton of fun. It was what I needed right now. Like, I can't go to the movie theater and watch action films. And this was just kind of like one of those, like, yeah, I don't need, I don't need to know every, for me, I just didn't, I didn't need to know like every facet of this guy's life. I just wanted to see like, this guy going around kicking ass. The fucking <laughs> the car chase scene was fucking incredible. The way that they shot it, it was yeah. awesome. Um, and just like all the action was just a lot of fun. It was just like go back and watch a lot of those '90s movies, action movies that we really loved as kids. The plots are about as thin as this. To be quite honest with you, it was just. It was just. I just needed this right now. I just needed to see Chris Hemsworth going around and fucking a little bit of gung fu and going around and shooting people and kicking ass and throwing people. Like, oh my god! There's a part where he fucking uses another human being oh as a baseball bat to hit another human being, and that was amazing. <laughs> I fucking my dad was like. My dad texts me and he's like, yeah, this movie is a lot of fun. And then I watched it and I said, yeah, Extraction's awesome. And we, I loved it. I thought it was great. I, for my, for my action movies, I don't really need 100% layered characters. I just want some solid fucking great action. I think Sam, Sam Hargrave, um, gave us some really awesome stunt choreography here. And, um, I kind of, I kind of love this movie. <laughs> kind of loved it, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a fucking Tupperware. Fucking loved Extraction. It's what I needed right now. I needed this. I needed this. This is the summer blockbuster season. We're not getting anything. We're not getting anything. I'm not going to see Black Widow. Fucking the Fast and Furious movie didn't come out for a lot of people that were looking forward to that. And we're not getting these fucking movies right now. And Extraction comes on Netflix, and I was just expecting this one to kind of be a dud. And I fucking loved it. Yeah. It was fun. It was just fun. <laughs> it was just fun. It was yeah. fun. Was yeah. I was just kind of a curmudgeon, I guess, when I watched this. I don't know. I just, I didn't find the bad guys to be very enthralling at all. And it really did take me out of the picture that they introduced this, like, these problems. With the, it's not that I don't need characters to be layered and nuanced, but for them to introduce those subplots, but then just completely throw them away five minutes later. It was just, I don't know, kind of boring to me. For me, it was just one of those things where it was like, and I was thinking this during while I was watching it, and I wasn't watching it on my TV. I was actually just watching it on my computer. I was just like huh. watching it on my computer, and I was just thinking to myself, if I was in the theater watching this, I might not be enjoying this as much. This might not be a theatrical watch for me. Like if I saw this in the theater, I don't know how, like this can't, it, this is really good in my opinion as far as like just watching this at home on my computer. Like this is way better of a movie than I, but I, but like if I pit this against John Wick 3, like there's no comparison. Like John Wick 3 is fucking amazing, right? But you, yes, but you compare it to like, uh, what was it, Six Underground? And this is, 
head and shoulders above that. Six underground was fun and stupid. It was fun and stupid, mm-hmm. but like th- this is head and shoulders above six underground. Six underground was just fun and stupid. Like that's it's six underground is just like fucking Michael Bay. Like check out my machismo. You know what I mean? Like sure. <laughs> you know, I, I'm just gonna give you some crazy stupid shit. But like this, this was just like I think like this was just like during this amidst this coronavirus. Like this was just like this was something I needed right now. I needed this, and I thought the action was fun, and I needed this. Like I don't know. Like if this was summer blockbuster season, and we've already seen, you know, like we've already seen like Fast and Furious. We're getting ready to see Black Widow, um, or whatever. And it's like I don't know like how I would feel about this movie, but like right now. <laughs> Go, with this coronavirus going on, like, I needed something like this. I needed some action like this. And it was like, thank you for scratching that fucking itch. I really needed this movie right now. I, I loved it. I had a blast with this one. Nice. Yeah. I don't know. Let's talk about Beastie Boy story. Yes. Um, this is on Apple TV Plus. Did we all get to see this one? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Mike Diamond and Adam Horowitz of Beastie Boys tell you an intimate personal story of their band and their 40 years of friendship together. It's directed by Spike Jones, uh, from being John Malkovich, Adaptation, her, bunch of films. And, um, yeah, I'm just gonna start off by giving this one, uh, an absolute Tupperware. I thought it was just fascinating. Just like with the, you know, with the Mike Tyson, documentary that he did kind of like the one night live performance that was directed by spike lee where you know goes back into his history and then gets you all caught up this is like kind of like more of the same just with this group and their friendship and of course you know um they get to talk intimately about uh you know the member that that passed away mca and just how much what an integral part of of the group he was uh a lot of the stuff I didn't know, like I just, you know, I know their music. I grew up listening to their music. Um, I fuck, I, I, I grew up going into bars and fucking like selecting their music on the jukebox. You know what I mean? Like that's how much mm-hmm. I love the Beastie Boys. But fucking knowing a lot about like just like the history and how they met and like people coming into the group, people leaving their rise to stardom. Um, and then kind of like there's that lull and then them coming back. Um, it not only just tells the story, but it, the, like the story of, of friendship is really kind of incredible. Like there's at one point in time where they talk about like, I've spent more time with these guys than I have my family. And like, that kind of like hit me like, wow, <laughs> wow. You know, like these guys have really been together through, through thick and thin. And you don't see that a lot. A lot of these groups and even a, even a kid in the documentary said like a lot of groups start, they break up and then they finally years later, then they come back together. Like we see it with like, you know, like Van Halen and all these other bands that have broken up and then they'll do like one final tour together. Um, these guys just st- they 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 pretty much stayed together the entire time. I Tupperware this. I think I think it's fantastic, Jake. 
Oh, yeah. This was the highest of Tupperwares for me as well. Um, I've said it before on this podcast, but no celebrity death has hit me harder than when MCA passed away. And, yeah, this just brought all those feelings back up. Just such a great man and artist. And, yeah, as much as a fan of the Beastie Boys as I am, there was definitely a lot of new information in these stories. And I thought Ad Rock did such a great job doing the the bulk and the majority of the storytelling and presenting. And I, I just love the way he was able to tell these stories with like a dash of humor and emotion here as well. And it was just super fun going back into that 90s MTV culture, too. That's the one thing I really enjoyed about this a lot, because I listened to the audiobook that they put out about a year and a half, two years ago. And anyone that loved this should check that out because this is pretty much kind of a shortened version of that. There's even many more stories there. They have celebrity readers on that audiobook. They have like Conan yes. O'Brien and a bunch of the hip hop people. Um, Reverend Run is on there. And it's just some really cool stuff on that audiobook. So I strongly recommend that. But yeah, I just love seeing like. One of my favorite parts, honestly, was like the last 15 minutes and all those old clips from MTV and seeing fucking Dan Cortez again and (laughs) Duff again and fucking Marky Mark feuding with the Beastie Boys. Uh, I loved seeing my favorite part of the whole thing was reminiscing again about Horowitz or not Horowitz, but uh, Yauk doing the Nathaniel Hornblower director stuff on the uh, MTV Music <laughs> Awards when REM Everybody Hurts beat Spike Jones for Sabotage. And he kind of did the Kanye thing before Kanye, you know, where he interrupted Taylor Swift and Michael Stipe's expression at uh, MCA just fucking buttoned in and saying what he had to say. was just absolutely fucking hilarious to see again. Yeah, this this was a lot of fun. Uh, and I didn't realize the presentation was going to be this live stage show that I think they filmed like three or four different nights. And then Spike kept the best stuff from each night and edited it together into one movie. This isn't actually straight through the performance. It's like they did this four or five nights in a row. Thank God and they wore the same clothes, though, because like, yeah, if it would have that would have been off putting had it been like they wore different outfits each time. Yeah, yeah, it would it would have been oh, kind of jarring. Not the most unusual thing for Spike Jones to do, too. So it is lucky that he had restraint there. Yeah, I just love. I've always known that they had a lot of disdain for their first album, but I never, until the book and this movie, kind of known the full story why they kind of held their noses up to that first album as much as they did. And mm-hmm. it was very enlightening hearing all that, like knowing that it was a parody of these bro party dudes and that they were actually making fun of that person to by the time it's on MTV, all of us fans thinking they are that person. I don't think very many listeners and fans were in on the joke that they were mocking that lifestyle and that culture. Yeah. And they got accepted by the people that were part of that lifestyle and culture. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just ridiculous. And it was fun, you know, seeing Paul's Boutique, their sophomore album, and just knowing how everyone holds that on a pedestal now and just how big of a flop that was. And my personal two favorite albums, Check Your Head and Ill Communication, it really shone a light on why those are my favorite albums, just just watching this doc and knowing kind of the creative space they were at when they made those two albums. Makes a lot of sense why those are two of my favorites. And those albums are just so ahead of their time. Like, artists weren't doing these multi-genre 
clashing albums, you know, having the heavy metal song on track two and then having the 80s hip hop song on track three on the same album. Like that, that kind of thing was unheard of until Check Your Head. It, it's a really ahead of its time album. So yeah, this was the highest of Tupperwares. If you're a fan of the Beastie Boys, this is a must see. If you're just a casual fan, I think it's also a must see. And sadly, it's not on Netflix, people, so you gotta watch it on Apple TV Plus. Yeah, if you've held out and not gotten your seven day Apple TV Plus trial, this is the moment where you should sign up for that seven days and cram this in. Neil, what'd you think? I didn't get a chance to watch it because I don't have the subscription, so yeah. I may do that now after hearing you guys talk about it. Paul, what'd you think? <laughs> oh, total, it's a total Tupperware, and, um, I got to echo what Jake said. I've been listening to the book all week, and I know some people said that they actually bought the hardcover version. I think I think this book is best – I think it's best enjoyed through the Audible version just because you get all these different people reading it. And But the movie – I mean th- this this documentary was amazing, and um, Mike D and Ad-Rock, they were just so like charming and uh, charismatic, like – and it, like it was kind of cool how they weren't afraid to poke fun of themselves, like especially that whole Soul Train bit. You know, they're just kind of <laughs> 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 like uh, like it was just a lot of fun. Like you just felt like you were sitting there. Mike D was stepping. Talk. He was stepping to Don Cornelius, man. <laughs> what? what the that was fuck? So crazy. That <laughs> was nuts. And then when they uh, kicked in that, I, I forget her name, when they kicked in her fucking closet door, like I was just dying laughing the whole time with all the, just like all the pictures and home videos they had to go with it, just, it, it just kind of showed you how ahead of their time they were, and like, it never got to them, just like how humble they still are about it, like... It was just a great watch, and especially like during the post credits, it's just yeah, the post credit awesome. stuff. Yeah, stick around for the post credit stuff. That was great. God damn, Jake, we did grow up in a great time for like music television, man. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, it just it just blew up. It just blew up. I'll tell you one thing though, they were a lot nicer to Rick Rubin and Russell Simmons in this movie than they are in the book. Oh wow, yes. then I gotta, I fucking gotta, I gotta get the audio book for this then. Holy shit. I was cracking up at, I never realized how into the professional wrestling Rick Rubin was. And then when they talk about that and they show him just straight up delivering promos. Yeah, promo. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I was laughing so hard. Yeah. I Tupperware this. This is fantastic. Everybody should watch it. Yeah. And Brian, definitely, if you enjoyed this, that the book is so great. And there's just so many cool people from that era that read passages and tell the stories on the book. Like they did yeah. such a great job. Like the hardback is really cool, but I agree with Paul. The audiobook is where it's at. How long is the audiobook? I hope it's long as shit. It is 14 hours. Fucking A. I'm all about that, dude. I mean, it's got fucking John C. Riley and Steve Buscemi, Amy Poehler, like Conan O'Brien. It's fucking awesome. I'll check it out. I will definitely be checking that out because I, I could definitely use more of this. It was fantastic. Are you going to check it, check it out? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jake, you landed a music joke this episode, sir. (laughs) Radiohead didn't go over quite so well. (laughs) But you brought it back. Uh, mm. How's the break sound, gentlemen? Oh, always great. Come back and do the news. How's that sound? Love it. Awesome. All right, let's do it. Wonderful. Hi. 
I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt. And the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right, hey, we're back. Oh, man, I love your enthusiasm, Jake. It's contagious, sir. <laughs> yeah. Know it. It's contagious. Whew. I'm man. ready to attack now. Oh, you're on the attack. Remember when we were on the attack earlier and I hit the stop button? <laughs> that was up. How'd we do there? <laughs> All right. Uh, it's time for the Pop Culture Leftovers News. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a lift of a news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. I got some quick news from Dark Horizons here and it's a uh, bunch of bunch of uh, shows that uh, who knows when the fuck they're going to be able to, to make them. Announce, <laughs> announcements of new shows is kind of like, oh, wow, when are we going to see this? Fucking 2023? You know? Like, when are we going to Yeah, it is depressing. Like, how are these new shows coming out when the show's that were being filmed all, you know, got canceled at this point or delayed. Delayed, yeah. Like anyway, Apple TV Plus won a bidding war and handed out an eight episode straight to series order for its limited comedy series, The Shrink Next Door, starring Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd. Based on Wondery. Oh, wow, what a cast. Based on Wondery and Bloomberg's media's podcast and inspired by true events. He, he's rubbing his fucking, my cat is rubbing his fucking face on my mic. Oh my god. Oh, he, he. He's on the attack. I told, I told, <laughs> I told he, he, I love my cat. I love him so much. I told him during this coronavirus that he is he essential. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I hugged him and I told him I loved him. I said you're he, no. you're he essential. Anyway, uh, it's based on uh, <laughs> we're on the attack, Jake. Seven, yeah. seven years. <laughs> Me, you and he he now on the attack. Uh, it's inspired by true events. The dark comedy follows the bizarre relationship between psychiatrist to the stars Doctor Isaac Ike Herpschkoff, played by Rudd, and his longtime patient Martin Marty Markowitz, played by Farrell. Uh, over the course of their relationship, Ike slowly takes over Marty's life, even moving into Marty's home and taking over his family business. Based on a fucking true story. This sounds wild. Looking forward to that one. Marty Marky Mar- Marty Wits. <laughs> Martin Great Marty Markowitz. Yeah. I don't know. This sounds good. I, I haven't, I'll be honest with you. I haven't been a huge fan of Will Ferrell for a long time. Maybe since Step Brothers. I don't know. Mm. He's I really hit or miss for me. Yeah. 
Oh, he's funny back on SNL. And then it just like, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, Step Brothers was funny. Anchorman was funny. And I can't really name much since then. Yeah. I enjoyed yep, Talladega Nights. Yeah, that, that was pretty decent, but the, even that was quite a while ago. Yeah, I yeah. think Talladega Nights is funny in clips. I don't know if I can, like, watch the whole thing. I think it's, like, funny in clips, <laughs> you know? Like when they're, when they're praying to baby Jesus. It's his favorite <laughs> version of Jesus. The ba- I think that's funny. That's funny. And uh, aren't his kids like Walker and Texas Rangers? Yeah. Like that? yeah. <laughs> that's good, too. <laughs> also, Danny DeVito, Lucy DeVito. Who's, is Lucy his daughter? Who's Lucy DeVito? Uh, gotta be. Yeah, I don't know. Lucy. Yeah, Aubrey Plaza. Also, they're teaming for Little Demon, a new FX animated half-hour comedy series uh, to be executive produced by Dan Harmon of Rick and Morty. Uh, the series huh. follows a woman, Aubrey Plaza, and her 13-year-old daughter, played by Lucy DeVito, as they attempt to live an ordinary life in Delaware, but are constantly thwarted by monstrous forces, including Satan, played by Danny DeVito, who yearns for custody <laughs> of the soul of their daughter, the Antichrist. So well, that sounds awesome. Anything with Danny DeVito playing Satan sounds pretty great. <laughs> oh my God, Danny DeVito! He's like seventy-five now, isn't he? He's like old. Yeah, he's up there. Jesus Christ! I can't. Uh, don't take us. Don't 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 take Danny DeVito away from us. Jesus Christ! I need more DeVito. Oh. I love Danny DeVito. Yeah, he's done a hell of a like late career resurgence. It's oh, been really fun to watch. It's always sunny and oh, he's been yeah. great. Yeah. Uh also, um I just wanna R. I. P. Lego Batman, right? Yeah. Universal Pictures and Lego have announced a five year exclusive agreement to develop, produce, and distribute theatrical releases based on its intellectual property and original ideas. So what are we getting? What are we getting with Paramount? We getting Fast and Furious Legos with uh, Universal? <laughs> I hope not. So hard to say what properties that they're going to mine here. I mean, I think they're, they need to kind of maybe shelve the Lego thing after the Ninjago, Lego Movie, Lego Movie 2, Lego Batman run. Feels like it needs a little bit of a break from that kind no, of thing, in my no, opinion. They're going full force. Like, uh, is Harry Potter Universal? Yes. No, no, it's Warner Brothers. That's Warner Brothers. Oh, fuck. Uh, the Monsters movies? What? The like, Universal Monster movies? Oh, Universal yeah. Monsters. Universal Monsters. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought Neil said, are the Monsters movies... <laughs> I thought that's what his question was. Yeah, like Monsters Inc., Monster University, right? No, uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, <laughs> uh Frankenstein and, and, and Mummy and shit. I, I, seven years. <laughs> I, don't blame this one on me. This one, this Neo is killing us here. <laughs> They could do Jurassic Park, I guess. Yeah, they could do Jurassic Park. I don't know, man. That, that Lego Batman movie was so good. I loved it. I loved Lego Batman. I'm gonna it miss did that well one. In the box office too. I'm so you know, it is a surprise that they're not gonna do that again. Yeah, Universal just outbid Warner Brothers is what it was. I guarantee you. it came down to money. Yeah. 
Yeah. That company doesn't care. They just whoever's going to pay them the most money. Here's our here's our toys. Yeah. Warner Media launched the the date for HBO Max uh, May twenty seventh. It's going to drop. It's going to be priced at fourteen ninety five. Yeah, it seems pricey, right? Will it will it have like the brand new HBO shows right when they air as well? Uh, I have no idea. Because if not, it's see, that's way pricier than I think it should be. Uh, HBO Now subscribers who are billed directly through HBO will get access to HBO Max at launch for no extra cost. HBO subscribers via, via an AT&T TV service or charter communications will be automatically upgraded to HBO Max. Okay, that, that cuts a little bit of the of the ease there, but... Yeah, it'll, it'll be crazy to see how much content they have, right? They, they, they've kind of hinted at some of the new shows that's coming yeah. when they launch the announced date, but it wasn't really a slew of new entertainment. It seems mostly like they're relying on the laurels of their library. They got Friends, The Big Bang Theory, Doctor Who, Rick and Morty, South Park, uh, content from CNN, TNT, TBS, True TV, Turner Classic Movies, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, Crunchyroll, Rooster Teeth and Looney Tunes. I'll save the Harry Potter universe too, right? Yeah. Every every Studio Ghibli movie as well, right? Yeah, Studio Ghibli. Yep. Yeah. So that's a, that's a big get. Yeah. Um, Fifteen bucks though. That's a lot. I mean, that's basically yeah, that's what, a Netflix subscription. That's what you're paying for fucking DC, HBO. The DC universe too, right? I don't know, is it, but is DC. But the, the DC universe is separate. Like, are, are they gonna? Is that gonna fold into this? Huh, they have announced that the shows from DC Universe, like I saw, like Doom Patrol listed as one of the HBO Max shows. Well, and they're doing the Green Lantern show. That's not even going to DC Universe. That's going straight to HBO Max. The Green Lantern. Yeah, I'm surprised Corps. they didn't announce the DC Universe canceling with this HBO Max launching announcement. I guess they don't want to drop a bad thing on the same day they're telling you about something they want you to think is a good thing. Quibi is not doing good. Jesus, Quibi is <laughs> not doing good. Yeah, I canceled my subscription. I've got 90 really? I've got 90 days for free, so I'm just going to enjoy that. Yeah, same. Yeah, I I can still use it, you know, I've canceled, but I'm not going to get billed. Oh, Pass there you that. go. Yeah. <laughs> you just made sure. You're like, this is really yeah. bad. I'm making sure in two months I'm not getting charged for this shit. Exactly. <laughs> Did you hear about this one? I haven't watched it since we talked about it last. I've watched it maybe once or twice since then, and I just finished one show. I haven't got back. Yeah. Yeah, it's been two weeks since I've watched it, though. Fuck. Yeah, really the only thing of notoriety coming to it is like the Reno 911 stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of like what they've been putting out. Uh, Sony's developing a film. This is from Variety. Sony developing film based on One Punch Man manga series with Venom writers. I love One that Punch could, Man, that, but yeah, that could be really cool if they get a, a really visionary director to to handle it. I think. Yeah, they've got Scott Rosenberg and Jeff Pinkner are set to write a live-action film adaptation of the worldwide hit manga series One Punch Man for Sony. Uh, they, they, yeah, they're, they're the writers for Venom. They also wrote both Jumanji films. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's based on One Punch Man. It's a hugely popular 
uh, manga. It follows the story of Saitama, a su- superhero who can defeat any opponent with a single punch, but seeks to find a worthy opponent after growing bored by a lack of challenges in his fight against evil. I loved that first. I loved the first and second season. Um, I I think the character is amazing. It's just a live action version. I don't know. A lot of these live action animes just don't pan out well. So we'll see. Yeah. You need someone who's not like a cookie cutter filmmaker, right? Like you need to land like an Edgar Wright or something like that for this to be really cool. A Taika Waititi. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even like a Robert Rodriguez would might be a good fit for this. Yeah. Drew Goddard. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Just, you know, a lot of these, you're exactly right, Brian. A lot of these adaptations just are very lacking. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Is it going to, it's not going, is this going to be a film or is it going to go straight to Netflix? Mm, I think I, it's a I, it film. depends on what kind of budget and, you know, what kind of people they get involved, I would think. Yeah. I would be more worried if it was going straight to Netflix because those have pretty much all been bad, right? Oh God! There, I, I think I, I don't know if it was. I, there was one that I raved about, and I know people that watch the anime fucking hated it. I think it might have been Bleach. I can't remember, but there was one that I absolutely loved. But it was the only one. Yeah, I mean, I'll never forgive them for what they did to Death Note. Um, Full Metal Alchemist was pretty, eh, and yeah, I, I just I don't know. Not a good track record for the Netflix yeah. adaptation with the anime. News from the playlist, Top Gun Maverick Val Kilmer admits that he was forced to beg his way into the action sequel. I don't find this surprising. In a new memoir, I'm your Huckleberry. Oh, God. (laughs) I love that. I fucking name. Great name. If you've never seen Tombstone, watch it, people. Val Kilmer actually explains that one of his most iconic roles in that 80s action film co-starring Tom Cruise and directed by Tony Scott almost never came to be. Why? Because he wasn't interested in that type of film at the time. I didn't want the part. I didn't care about the film. The story didn't interest me. He added that his agent forced him to go to the audition. Kilmer continued, I showed up looking the fool or the goon. I wore oversized gonky Australian shorts and nausea green. I read the lines indifferently. And yet amazingly, I was told I had the part. I felt more deflated than inflated. Of course, we all know what happens next. Tony Scott's film became a hit with Tom Cruise's role launching him into superstardom and Val Kilmer's performance as the dickish Iceman being a hallmark of his career. Decades later, as Cruise began to ascend even higher as an A-lister, Kilmer began to experience some issues with his films not doing the box office he wanted. So when it came time to begin development on Top Gun Maverick, Kilmer wasn't immediately offered a role. In fact, according to the actor, the only reason he landed a role in Maverick where he reprises his Iceman persona is because he begged for it. Quote, as the Temptations sang in the heyday of Motown soul, ain't too proud to beg, the producers went for it. Cruz went for it. Cruz couldn't have been cooler. Tom and I took up where we left off. The reunion felt great. So, yeah, fucking... Val Kilmer had to beg for this fucking role, a role that he didn't even want originally. Jake, to this day, have you seen Top Gun? No, I've still never seen Top Gun. I've only played the NES video game. Which is terrible. <laughs> a terrible game. 
Oh yeah, one of the one of the worst. Like trying, almost the ET of the NES. Trying to land <laughs> that fucking jet on that fucking helicarrier on that fucking aircraft carrier is just n- nearly damn impossible. Yeah, it's one of the stupidest things they've ever had to video game. It's, it's <laughs> very bad. Yeah. Terrible fucking game. Top Gun Maverick arrives in theaters December 23rd. Or maybe it won't. Who the fuck knows when? <laughs> <laughs> no idea. That's already well, a delayed, know. delayed release date too, isn't it? Yeah, that's it's already pushed yeah, back right there. It was there. supposed to come out this fucking summer, dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Let's jump into, jump into Marvel news. How's that sound? We're just flying yeah, through shit now. It's decent. What do you mean? <laughs> Marvel news sounds decent. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> let's hear, let's hear from the rest of the panel. How's Marvel news sound, Paul? Fantastic. Oh, that's the answer I'm looking for. Um, Neil, how's Marvel News sound to you, sir? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Paul, you're going to be my new permanent co-host. <laughs> what six Marvel projects have been delayed? <laughs> let's move into let's move into Marvel News. Marvel news. Before we jump into Marvel news, I, I'm going to tell you guys a story. You guys ready? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I love it. Story time. Years ago, years ago, here's the thing. Years ago, I was working at a call center, and there was, you know, you got vending machines there that you can, you know, eat out of, and nothing, nothing healthy, nothing nutritious, just garbage. You know what I mean? And but there was this, there was this fucking. I had a headache that day that just would not go away. And there was this pill machine that you could like, you could put like 50 cents in and you could get like a Tylenol. You know what I mean? Okay. Like a pill machine there, right? So I popped in like, you know, it was ridiculously priced for like two fucking aspirin or whatever the fuck. I forget it was like 50 cents or 75 cents or a dollar. I don't remember. But I put the money in there. And what, what do you think happens? No pill. No fucking pill. No pill dropped out of it. You know what I mean? You no 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 packet dropped out of it. I don't think Paul. I I don't think Paul or Neil knew what happened. They were like waiting for somebody to answer there. It's a, it's a simple. It's a simple question. You guys couldn't answer it. <laughs> like what happens sometimes when you put money into vending machines? You don't get what you fucking asked for. It gets stuck in the machine, right? I had right. back there. The seven years had me ready. <laughs> so like, it's, it doesn't, it's just this little fucking machine and I got a fucking headache. It's fucking beaten down like a motherfucker. And I put the, I put the money in there and it doesn't come out. So what do I start doing? I'll let Jake answer because fucking Paul and Neil are fucking scratching their heads. I just over tried it. to answer. I know, but you're, it's gonna be. <laughs> well, there's only, there's only two options. There's either A, 
put more money in, which is the wrong option, right. or B, start shaking this motherfucking machine. Boom. Exactly. So I start beating this fucking thing. I start beating this fucking machine. Like, like I'm just slapping the shit out of it like it's Johnny Depp and I'm Amber Heard. I am fucking... Oh, shit. <laughs> I am fucking oh this pill machine up. Like... I get, like, I almost bet you, like, fucking, like, this pill machine to this day is probably, it probably just started getting on Instagram and doing videos. Like, I beat it that fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like, a girl that I work with, she pipes up and she's like, don't do that. That's my machine. What? Oh, shit. I know, dude. How many times have you fucking hit a vending machine? And, but like, you, but now you're faced with, you've never been faced with the owner of the vending machine, right? No, no, I don't think that's ever happened. No, you've just beat it with reckless abandon. Like you're fucking Ike Turner slapping the shit out of Tina and beating the fuck out of this thing. And there's no consequences. No consequences. You can just slap it, whatever. There's no consequences. But here I am in this situation where I am beating the fuck out of this pill machine and the owner pipes up. That's my machine. And at first, I thought it was like a joke. Like, whoa, you own, <laughs> like, you own the pill machine? Cause I work with this person. Like, you own the pill machine? It was legit. She owned, she owned this pill machine. <laughs> and I am smacking the shit out of it. Just smacking the shit out of it. <laughs> Did you get the pills? How'd the story end? Happy ending? The story ended 12 years later. It's a revenge story. I had sex with her sister. <laughs> Well, this is a true story. 100% true. 12 years later, I end up having sex with their sister. So, like, I guess it's a revenge story at the end of the day. <laughs> so, Did having sex with her sister cure your headache? I t- Actually, she wanted to go again, and I said, sorry, I got a headache, and I bounced. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's your story. Uh, Marvel news. Um <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Eternals rumor. This is an Eternals rumor from comicbook.com. Comic book legend Jim Starlin has dropped some potentially huge news, teasing that young Thanos could could potentially appear in the Eternals. Did you guys hear about this? No. No. While Thanos was dusted during the shocking climax of Avengers Endgame, Starlin told comicbook.com he thinks the Mad Titan could pop up in the Eternals. Quote, I understand that the story's not completely ended, Starlin explained. They've already announced that. I I think a young Thanos appears in the Eternals. I I remember reading that somewhere. Discussing Thanos' legacy in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Starlin continued, they made a shitload of money off this guy, so I don't see them retiring him anytime soon. Comic book characters tend to have an extended lifespan beyond the actors who work on them. I'm half expecting to see much more Thanos down the line. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe they'll do like baby Thanos. 
<laughs> well, they did that in the comics. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I I was thinking like maybe a flashback to Thanos, like as you know, a younger Thanos. I know that what was it in the Infinity Run for Jonathan Hickman? Thanos's son was involved in that story. I don't know, man. It just. This article goes on to say, um, Chloe Zhao's upcoming movie is already confirmed to include an impressive roster of stars like Gemma Chan, Richard Madden, Angelina Jolie, and Kit Harrington. Uh, Icarus, yeah, they're talking about the characters that they're playing, Icarus, Thena, and Black Knight. However, there's currently no sign of Josh Brolin reprising his role as Thanos. According to Starlin, that could all be about to change. Starlin's words hint that it might not be Josh Brolin appearing as Thanos, teasing that the 52-year-old could hand over the reins to a younger actor. However, the idea of young Thanos appearing in the Eternal should be taken with a large pinch of salt. Although Starlin is also is famous for creating Thanos back in 1973, it's unclear if he is in the know when it comes to the Eternals movie. Also, apart from saying, quote, I remember reading that somewhere, he doesn't explain where this potential bombshell spoiler has come from. So, I don't know. Could be bullshit. I mean... I don't think you can trust anything Starlin says. He's been such a roller coaster with his emotions about what he feels about... Marvel using his properties in these movies. I, I swear, like one month he's super pissed off about not getting enough money, and the next month he knows inside scoops about Eternals. Well, he's not been paid enough money. Like that's the like if we're gonna get down to it, like one. No, yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. saying that he doesn't have a reason to have those complaints. I'm just. I just don't know if that speaks. Why he wouldn't be in the know? I just don't know if that speaks to the validity of these. You know what I mean? Of one way or the other, like whether that means that he knows something is happening, or and like for him to say, "I read that somewhere," that doesn't give me a lot of confidence. Like he's spoken in confidence with Kevin Feige, who said, "Yeah, we might be bringing Thanos back, young Thanos." No, he could have just read an article like you did. For all we know, yeah. Do you think if they bring back like young Thanos, do you think there'll be articles about like how? People think young Thanos is sexy. <laughs> Definitely. People think regular Thanos is sexy. Well, like, there was all those articles about fucking like, what was it? That Zac Efron thing where he fucking played a serial killer. Like oh. people were. Ted people Bundy. Were, Ted were te- Bundy. Yeah, yeah. People were te- saying like the, Ooh, the real Ted Bundy's sexy. Like, and the mad Titan, he's almost fucking like a serial killer. He is a serial killer. Do you think, you think they try to make a young, sexy Thanos? <laughs> yeah, I think they would try to subtly make him sexy, honestly. I think that phenomenon ha- has happened with the current Thanos. So I think they would amplify it even more if they were going to young him down. Uh, I just hope he gets his helicopter. Oh, that fucking helicopter is fucking dope as shit. <laughs> oh, man. Venom's- you didn't see the Thanos gay porn I sent you? Oh, the one where they're fucking squirting all over each other's faces? Yeah, you better believe I saw it, Jake. Oh, man, that big purple ass crack. (sighs) Venom 2 news from Dark Horizons. Don't worry, I'm gonna, I'll get to the title. I'll get to the title. Jake, I'm calling it Venom 2 right now before the reveal. 
and because I can tell you right now, Jake hates the title. I, I like I, as soon as I read the title, I'm like, this is a title that Jake hates. This is like, there's no way in the world that Jake would love this title. Like this is a this is an anti Jake title. This is not this title is not Jake proof. Jake hates this fucking title. This is like no, they did they, they did not consider my they did not fucking con- jerks. I and part of the reason why I love the title is knowing that you hate it. I was like, oh my god, Jake's gonna hate this title. Kind of love it. <laughs> not gonna lie, kind of love it. I mean, it. if the honestly, if the movie makes me laugh as much as the first one did, that that could be in favor of the title. Here, let me just let me. Okay, first up, it's been delayed nine months. It's been delayed nine months. The title is Venom. <laughs> Venom. <laughs> <laughs> when I say this title, you're going to totally know why Jake hates it. Here's, here's the title. Venom, let there be carnage. <laughs> the, like, it's, it's so weird. I'm in a, I live in a world now when I read a title for a movie and I'm just like, oh, God, Jake's going to hate this. <laughs> I would have gone with Venom 2 Carnage in the USA. Uh, better name. I love, oh, let there be carnage. Ah, <laughs> oh, Venom, Venom, let there be carnage. Did you guys, did you watch the teaser for the, for the title? That they, no. that they, yeah, it, 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 like you said, Venom. And underneath it slowly, it started to appear. Let there be carnage. I know, that title got a reveal. <laughs> it did. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Oh my god. <laughs> I love the title. I love oh, the God. title. I love the title. I love everything about this. I love it. Oh man. It's uh going to open now June 25th of 2021 rather than uh early October this year. Which sucks. Which sucks. I I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. <laughs> I love the first one so much. Yeah, I actually revisited the first one a few weeks ago and it was even more hilarious on rewatch than it was the first time. Isn't it, it's, it's not one of those movies that it's like, like this is like the Venom movie that should be. It's just one of those movies where it's like, it's, it's, it's Venom. I, I don't want to say, I don't even want to say like Venom adjacent. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's, it's just it's fun though. I, it's I think fun. if they would have tried to do Venom as it, you know, quote should be, you end up with some movie like a Ghost Rider piece of shit. I don't think you can take yourself seriously and make a good Venom movie. I just don't think it would work. It, just the whole premise is so ridiculous oh, that man. I think they made yeah. the right choice. I think they made the right choice with the sequel title, too. Let There Be Carnage. <laughs> Let There Honestly, Be Carnage. Honestly, if it makes me laugh just as much as the first one, then the title makes sense. I think, no, they are giving you, they are giving them permission for Carnage they're they're saying let it happen. It's it's didn't they say that in the last movie already without the ridiculous title? The, but this is just more this is confirmation. Just, it's more confirmation and <laughs> <laughs> it's, there's more confirmation and it's more it's it's a little bit of carnage consent. 
let there be carnage. It's going to happen. <laughs> you know, for those of you, for those of you who aren't down for carnage, maybe, maybe this, hey, hold on. Maybe this is your time to kind of, this is your time to leave. Okay. But for those of you that are here and are going to stick around, here's some consensual carnage. Enjoy. <laughs> It, I, I'm all about consensual That'd carnage. Be a great title. Consensual carnage. Yeah, yeah. Ven- Venom two. Consensual carnage. Oh, you need to get Young Thanos up in that movie. <laughs> oh man. Consensual carnage. I no. I honestly think I improved upon the title there. I agree. I like it more. <laughs> oh, man. Mm. <laughs> Consensual carnage. Mm. Oh, boy. Venom 3. Hey, guys, it's time for Toxin. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Mm. Oh, man. Let's see here. You think Carnage is going to die in Venom 2? Carnage 1 and done? Oh, let's see here. I mean, what? Like, what's their what's their overall plan for Venom going forward? Like, how like how long is Tom Hardy going to be associated with this character? He seems to really love it. Like, he seems to really enjoy the fandom and, and the role. Like, I think he's having a good time. I just don't see Woody Harrelson signing a multi picture deal and Carnage probably dying by the end of this thing. I never would have. I never would have said it's a great move to make. A Venom movie with Tom Hardy PG-13. And I'll be honest with you, like, now I, I don't know if I wanted, I don't know if I wanted to make it R. It was just so goofy at PG-13. <laughs> yeah, I feel like with Carnage though, it makes it even more like diluted, right? Like Carnage is even next level fucking sadistic compared to Venom. And it would be cool to see like those two things clash, like the silliness of Venom. Versus the ruthless ruthlessness of Carnage, like yeah. I don't know. I, I I could live without the R violence with the character Venom, but it's definitely going to be noticeably gone without Carnage like stabbing his suit through people's faces. What do you think? Like with the popularity yeah. of R rated movies in comic books, like Joker, but like then we can also. I don't know, man. Then we can also say like, oh yeah, Birds of Prey didn't do too well in the box office. I don't know. That's I, true. I think I think Carnage it should be stylistically hilariously violent though. But I I think it does need to be R type violence. I don't think they, like they don't they don't give a fuck about the the comics or anything when it came to this Venom movie, man. It was basically just a fucking dude. They didn't care so much about the comics at all that they weren't even calling it. A symbiote. They were calling it a symbiote at first. They did not no, give no, a I, flying I, I, fuck. I and so by the time we get to fucking this next movie, they, it don't matter. They can do whatever the fuck they want to with Carnage. They had fucking, no, I get it. they I get had it. fucking uh, Woody Harrelson in a Ronald McDonald wig in the last movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if fucking grimace was gonna pop out next. I didn't know if Mayor McCheese was gonna fucking show up in the third movie. I didn't know what was going he's on. Who, he's who pardons Carnage from jail. Oh man, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how he gets released. Yeah, they introduce Mayor McCheese. Uh, uh. Oh, man, I just think I, I can't wait till they just go over the top with symbiotes everywhere. Like, I hope Venom 3 is just fucking symbiote nation. Oh, just, oh, man, just like a, a fuck. And like that planet that they showed us with all the symbiotes. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I still, I still think that there needs to be a serial come out called symbiotes and it's an oat based cereal and it's like yeah, a, i like it with raisins with oh fuck you you just ruined it you just <laughs> you just ruined my cereal symbiotin brand oh man yeah i like that man give me no i want i seriously i want a cereal that not only tastes good but has enough fiber to make me shit on the reg <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, fucking symbiote. Well, I, I was gonna say something. I've totally forgot. I lost my lost my track of thought there. Venom two. Everything's coming up. Carnage. <laughs> nah, consensual carnage. Let's let's stick with it. <laughs> yeah. Consensual carnage. <laughs> with a name like that, it's for sure PG thirteen. Yeah. Oh yeah. Back to the PG thirteen stuff, man. It's. Isn't it weird though that think about this? Isn't it weird though that they had the one director for the first movie? You know, the Zombieland director was it Fleischer? Was that his name? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They had Ruben him. Fleischer. Yeah, Ruben Fleischer. They had him, and then they they'd already cast Woody Harrelson as uh, as Carnage, uh, Cletus Cassidy. They'd already cast him, and then we get Andy Serkis. As the director for Venom 2, Consensual Carnage, and <laughs> he starred in that last Planet of the Apes movie with Woody Harrelson. Oh, that is a crazy connection. It, it, I mean, and it's not like it just like, like, that's, like, you would think that the casting of Woody Harrelson would have been because they got you know, Andy Serkis as the director. Like, he's like, okay, I'm going to bring him a boy, fucking Woody. Like, no, this, this just kind of happened. Like, this just kind of like worked out that way. I don't know. Do you, is Andy Serkis the right guy for this? I think no. I feel like one, one thing that worked with Ruben Fleischer is it, like Zombieland's the same way. Like it, it has this tone of not quite so serious. And, I feel like Andy Serkis, especially after seeing his just abysmal Jungle Book remake, is going to try to make this a little bit too serious or more serious than it should or needs to be. So I'm kind of worried as Andy Serkis as the director. I think he's great with the mocap, and we may see some very dynamic action sequences, possibly better than the first one. Mm -hmm. But I just think the tone, I think he's going to struggle with the tone that Ruben got so well in the first one. There needs to be two cuts of this movie. There need two there needs to be two cuts. There needs to be one cut that's directed by Andy Circus, who directed Mowgli, which went straight to Netflix, which is a jungle book fucking movie. And then there needs to be another cut directed by John Favreau, who directed the jungle book for Disney. We need <laughs> we need we need two Venom consensual carnage cuts. 
by two different directors. Dude, I want to see the Favreau fucking Venom. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. I I mean, I that would have Favreau would get the tone. Like he would know what's up. Like he's done stuff like this. So, I don't know. I just think Andy Serkis is going to take himself a little bit too seriously here. And um, hopefully the screenwriters make it impossible for him to try to make this too serious. Yeah, I'm really I am kind of worried about this. I like I love Andy Serkis like as a person, as a dude. Oh, yeah. How yeah. Can you not? He's awesome. But like as a director, it's like, I don't know. You know, we'll see. We'll see. How's this guy? I mean, do? look how like serious he made that Mowgli movie. I mean, if that's the only thing I have to go off of, I'm a little bit scared that he's going to miss the point of the tone. Dude, we're talking about Andy Serkis fucking up Venom 2, which is a movie like the (laughs) first one should have been like the biggest fuck up ever. Like nobody saw it working. Nobody saw it working. Like I don't know. Like what was my stance on Venom like before it came out? Was I still like hopeful like what i feel I can't like remember. both of us were kind of like why are they doing this if they're not going to have the spider-man connection and this is super pointless i all i remember about me and how i felt about that was i was like oh my god they keep making some insane casting choices all the right choices i kept talking about like michelle williams and tom hardy and yeah, I, is michelle williams returning yeah uh-huh she's coming oh she's coming back for the sequel yeah <laughs> She was the one part I really didn't love in that first movie. Oh, I, I, I mean, she's 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 such a great actor, but like, she oh, really agreed. she just had to like she just had to play like girlfriend. I like I liked it when she fucking showed up as female Venom. Like that was kind of <laughs> cool. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. I, unfortunately, they they kind of got a little spoilery with that before the movie came out. Yeah. What's this? Uh, I got some Guardians of the Galaxy. I guess James James Gunn has just been all over talking to people during this coronavirus. Uh, he's been on. Yeah, my, I've seen a lot of that. He's been doing these Instagram Q and As. Uh, yeah, frequent social media user and filmmaker. This comes from Dark Horizons. Uh, James Gunn recently held an Instagram Q and A. Questions naturally flowed fast about both the Suicide Squad film, which he recently finished filming and is now in post-production, and the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, which he'll helm the third entry of sometime within the next year. So in terms of squad, he, yeah, I'll just get, yeah, this is, we're not in DC news, but I ain't got fucking shit really for DC news. <laughs> but he says, uh, asked if it gets an R rating, he says, wait and see. With the film not coming out until August 2021, Gunn says it's still likely we'll get a first glimpse at footage from the feature sometime later this year. Asked to choose between Harley Quinn and the Joker, Gunn says he loved writing Margot Robbie's Harley for the upcoming film because she's so well-defined. Oh, I love the Joker, but Harley is one of my favorite characters I've ever written. In fact, she's probably my favorite comic character whose personality uh, was well-defined before I wrote her for the screen. She's an incredible companion to have while writing her insane actions and dialogue. Did I say I loved her? Um, Gunn also... No way was he going to say Joker here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gunn also confirmed the film takes place in the year it comes out. 
2021. And so events will take place after those seen in Birds of Prey. So this will be everything that we see in um, the Suicide Squad is going to be post Birds of Prey. So it's going to be Harley after that. Um, Gunn also says he has no further plans with Marvel Studios after completion of the third Guardians of the Galaxy film, saying he always planned to do a trilogy from the beginning of it if the first one worked out before concretely saying that there are no plans to do a fourth. I think, I think Gunn is, I think Gunn's done with Marvel. Yeah, I agree. He's not going to get caught in any of those traps anymore that, it was just too much I think he's glad he gets to come back and finish his baby but after that I think you're exactly right does he stick on with DC though I feel like the DC thing at the time was kind of just like a well fuck you Marvel <laughs> but like mm-hmm. and now but the getting to do the third Guardians of the Galaxy movie is kind of like Okay, I get to finish my trilogy. I get to work with all the people that are locked into these contracts and that are, they have to come back and do this third movie. Batista has to come back. Well, I'm, you know, and he's like been one of the biggest proponents of like sticking up for me during this thing. I, I want him to work with me. I get, my brother gets to work again, which is great. I think Um, it's big for those two to work together too. I think it's been a real bonding experience for James and Sean. Well, Mm -hmm. for him, he is kind of, I I think that he physically is done doing this. He does like the mocap for Rocket. He says it Mm -hmm. is hard on his body because he has to crouch the entire time and walk around. And he says it's really taxing on his body to do that. So I bet he's glad that this is kind of done. But I, I know he loves working. He would, I think he would just like to, instead of doing all the mocap and stuff like that, I think he would just like to act, you know, like as be himself in one of these movies, as opposed to <laughs> doing the mocap for Rocket. It's really hard on his body is what he says. Is he coming back as uh, that Reaver guy that he played in Guardians of the Galaxy 2? Yeah, I heard Craglin is the character's name. He's going to have a even more expanded role in the third one from nice. what I've read. That's awesome. cool. Yeah, but I know. Gun just recently also did a um, a Twitter watch along party for the second movie yesterday. Did you see any of that? No. That was pretty fun. Um, one of the most notable things was um, he said that the "I'm Mary Poppins, y'all" is the most quoted line to him when when people see him, and that he has footage of Rooker saying "I'm Mary Poppins, motherfuckers." <laughs> oh, yeah. There's like a whole fucking. Um, R-rated cut of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. That's awesome. Where where Groot is cussing, like uh, uh, Rocket is cussing, and Groot is cussing. Yeah, I, did- I think it's a no-brainer that Suicide Squad is going to be R. I think if Disney would have played ball and let him make Guardians R, he would have made that R. I, I don't think there's if James Gunn is allowed not to be soft, he won't be soft. And so I, I kind of think Suicide Squad is going to be R. I know Birds of Prey was a big flop, and that might be a deterrent, but I really think they're going to let Gunn do his thing, and Gunn doing his thing is an R-rated thing. If James Gunn goes to Warner Brothers and says, okay, I want to do an R-rated The Suicide Squad, that's going to happen. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And his R is going to be a different kind of R than like what happened in Birds of Prey. Like he's going to need it for some ridiculous fucking shit. <laughs> so you know, if his trauma career is any or like even like super or slither or any indication of what James Gunn would do with an R-rated comic book movie, you know, it's well, it, yeah, gonna it's going to be it's going to be like hyper silly violence, but it's also they, they are going to throw out some you know there are going to be some f bombs in there, so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see here. I have no DC news. That was basically the DC news there. Oh. Good deal. I've got Star Wars news, though. <laughs> what is it? News from Variety. Star Wars series uh, from Russian doll co-creator Leslie Headland. Yeah. In the works at Disney Plus. Uh, a new Star Wars series is in the works at Disney Plus. Variety has learned from sources. The series hails from Leslie Hedlund, the co-creator, showrunner, and executive producer of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Russian Doll. Details of the exact plot of the series are being kept under wraps. The sources say it will be a female-centric series that takes place in a different part of the Star Wars timeline than any other projects. Headland is said to be attached to write and serve as showrunner on the series with the show currently staffing. Um, yeah, she's directed multiple episodes of the uh, uh, show's Russian Doll. The show is nominated for 13 Emmy Awards for its first season. I don't know. I mean, it's... I don't know. It's a fucking... Uh, we don't know anything about it, though. Yeah. Yeah, and they've got me a little bit. Um, I don't know what the what I, like a little bit hesitant to believe any of these Star Wars shows. Like there, so many of them have been announced and then gone away now that I'm kind of in the mode where until I see footage, I don't even believe this thing is going to fucking happen. What do you mean? Like, like what? Like uh, there's still planning on the Obi Wan Kenobi. It's just been pushed, and and, and Cassie and Andor is still happening. I mean, they're they're still casting for Cassie. And Andor. Yeah, and then there's the you know the. Ryan Johnson thing. There's the um, well. This is this is for Disney Plus. This is this is for Disney Plus. This isn't for the like the the Benioff and Vice shit is gone. But this is for Disney Plus, and like the Mandalorian's been hot. I feel I feel like they're they're putting all their focus on like what they can do for Star Wars into Disney Plus right now. I agree with that. I agree with that. I I don't know. I just there's just so little information. It's hard knowing. Like what she's gonna do, I, I don't know. I just I'm having a hard time getting pumped for this announcement. Well, I'm not. Ex- I'm not. Ex- I, I loved Russian Doll. Russian Doll was one of my favorite shows of 2019. I thought Russian Doll was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I, how excited am I gonna get when I know no when I know no details? Like, do they tell me? Like, are we finding out that? She's going to be the one that's behind a live action Ahsoka Tana show. I mean, like that could happen. I mean, we're getting a live action Ahsoka Tano in the Mandalorian season two, starring Rosario Dawson as the character. Could could this could could Leslie Helen be like? Could she be? Doing an Ahsoka Tano. I just don't know how excited I'm going to get over a series that I don't know anything about. Like, at least with the Cassian Andor series, I know it's about Cassian Andor. Like, am I super excited for that series? 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I, we'll see. Well, obviously not super, just from that response. I mean... It's, it's set five years before Rogue One, right? I, I don't know the exact dates of when it's set. You sound like shit, Neil. You sound like you're in a fucking... Uh, Campbell's soup can or something. <laughs> Bottom of the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> Did you see the newest episode of Clone Wars? I caught up and watched the last five episodes. I haven't been watching it. I, I mean, I need to do a whole series we rewatch, so I haven't been watching it at all. Now, this newest episode is one of the best episodes of the entire series. You get the big climactic uh, Ahsoka Darth Maul lightsaber duel, and oh, Jesus Christ, it was fucking awesome. I don't know how, I mean, it's like, we already saw like the end of fucking Darth Maul and Rebels with the whole. Oh yeah, dude, listen, no one is more jaded about Darth Maul being in things post episode one than me. And I was really blown away by how much I enjoyed this. This was to me the first time the character has been used worth a shit since episode one. Hmm. So hey. great episode. It's called the um, the Phantom Apprentice too, which is a nice nod to Episode One. Hey Neil, I want you to talk, man. I want to hear. I want to. I want to hear how you sound, bro. <laughs> yeah, I saw an article uh, about the Cassian Andor series. Does sound okay? Yeah, you sound fine now. Did you see? Oh, did you see who they cast? So they cast the lady who played Mon Mothma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody else too. Uh, Geneva Riley and Denise Goff, and then Stellan Skarsgård have all been cast. To join. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, Neil's breaking up again. It sounds like. Am I? No, you sound so, fine. Okay, maybe I'm breaking up. <laughs> <laughs> what a great episode, guys! I mean, <laughs> this is going to go down. <laughs> this is going to go down as one of those episodes that people will talk about for years to come. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to have, like, episode 400 where we all get together and we have, like, members of the Leftover Army join us and we talk about, like, some of the memorable things that we've done over the past 200 episodes since episode 300. This one's going to come up. 330 is going to be, like, a big... People are oh, my God. What a great... <laughs> wow. Yeah, I agree. I think... Seventy percent of the focus will be on this episode. I, dude, I, I seriously think like we, I kind of, yeah, we kind of hinted like early on in the episode that we didn't have like an influx of new iTunes reviews, but I think after this episode, it's a like you said, it's a game changer, and I think <laughs> after this episode, like people are going to be inspired. Like this, this is an episode that not only is going to people are going to like laugh so hard that they cry that their stomach hurts that they can't breathe <laughs> but the, the number two number two it's they're going to be like drawn to like their iTunes and they're going to be like I have to leave a review I have to let these people know because they're so influential in my life right now <laughs> because episode 330 is so good the part where Brian is like Neil your audio's fucked up <laughs> like that, like that that was so good like that is podcasting in its purest fucking form. The parts where like Brian like says something and there's like zero response and he's <laughs> waiting for someone to say something back, like maybe to chime in and maybe have a conversation. Like those moments <laughs> meant so much to me in this episode. Um, you know, Jake's radio head joke. Still people are laughing <laughs> right now. The, the Urkel 
whole orangutan conversation was a thing of legend. I. Oh, okay. You're really gonna throw that in my fucking face, Jake? That was. I wasn't. I was being sincere. I'm not being. being Everything that I am saying right now is 100% insincerity, and with you trying to be sincere, but on the flip side, maybe not being sincere. I don't know exactly where you're going with this. No, you fooled me. I thought. I thought we really were gonna reminisce about this one fondly. This was a solid B episode. Oh God! This is one of the. This is one of those that I want to fucking like shoot in the head and bury in the backyard. Wow! Yeah, wow. dude. I fucking like. This is like. This is like an. I've never even seen Narcos, but I guarantee there's probably a lot of like taking people out into the desert and shooting them in the face and burying them <laughs> in the desert. And this is like. I want a Narcos. I want to go Narcos on this episode. <laughs> Man, this episode's gonna be like in the box at the end of seven, right? What's in the box? What's in the box? Yeah, it's episode three thirty. Fucking! If all you see is like Gwyneth Paltrow puke up episode three thirty. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. All right, you're selling me. I guess B minus at best. That would be a cool like. If they made like memorabilia, like seven memorabilia, I would totally buy like an Alexa device that was a box that had Gwyneth Paltrow's head in it that would play as like a speaker. Yeah, I think I'm there with you too. I'm surprised Gwyneth Paltrow doesn't sell that herself as goofy as her shit is. No shit. (laughs) Uh, The Gwyneth Paltrow head in a box candle, you know? Oh my God, yeah. Oh, did you see that they, okay, did you see that candle that they made? It was the Indiana Jones fucking, the Temple of Doom candle. You know that guy's face that melts, that fucking Oh, evil that's dude? awesome. At the end of Raiders, right? At the Oh, yeah, yeah, Raiders. It's totally Raiders, dude. You're right. It's the, the dude from Raiders, the guy with like the, the, Nazi dude. the Nazi dude from Raiders. Yeah, you can fucking light the wick on the top of his head and it melts his face just like it does in the fucking movie. That's awesome. That's fucking awesome. I had to look away from that shit when I was a kid. Oh, that shit was fucking terrifying when you were a child. Oh, my God. I made it worse than it really was. I remember when I finally, like, watched Raiders again when I was, like, 14. I'm like, oh, Jesus, what a pussy I was. Yeah. (laughs) But, oh, fuck. Dude, those movies were so good at that. Like, even in um, fucking uh, the third one. When they, when they, when they fucking drink from the wrong chalice and shit? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. And they were fucking like, yeah, like when old dude like got old and he fucking, like his hair started popping out of his head. Like, remember that Play-Doh barber shop? Where you- <laughs> <laughs> That's a great, a great metaphor. <laughs> and his hair all got all gray and popped out and aged and shit. Oh my god. That's some missed marketing right there, the uh, Indiana Jones (laughs) (laughs) playbook. Did you guys see, uh, real quick, um, the Mandalorian? They've already been, they've already begun pre-production on a third season of the live action, uh, Star Wars series, The Mandalorian for Disney Plus. So they started pre-production, but did you see like the, the season two titles that got leaked? Like these are not no. it's not confirmed, but some dude on fucking Twitter leaked the the titles and they all start with the word the. Uh-huh. Hmm. Uh the first one is The Search. 
the confrontation, the bounty, the republic, the loyalist, the sorcerer, the return, and the empire. So those are the oh. rumored season two titles from some dude on Twitter. Should the first season all have the in the title as well? I don't. The child was one, right? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. The egg. The egg. Hmm. Hmm. The... <laughs> the prisoner, the reckoning. Are you looking them up? The yeah. Sun. No, oh. some of them. Some of them don't. Like sanctuary. episode four. Four is just sanctuary. Eight is mm. just redemption. Six of the eight are the. I think that they really missed out not calling it the sanctuary or the redemption. I think that was yeah. kind of an opportunity. Hugely disappointing. Hugely disappointing for those of us that are, I don't know. They should have gone the friends route and called it the one where they have a redemption. <laughs> Jake? Yeah. You just found your radio head joke redemption right there, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Seven yeah. seasons. Well, I'm Seven glad we seasons. kept going for that. At I'm least. glad. Yeah. It, it all came back around. Like, it was like, I, every once in a while, I like think of like me and you, and we've got like our, we've got like, um, like in a video game, like a joke health bar. And like when you did that Radiohead one, you like went down into like 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 you had like two bars left, like red. Oh, I was like spinning with stars over my head. Yes, yes, dude, 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 <laughs> dude, dude. And before that, you were like at a full fucking green. You know what I mean? Like you had all oh, the yeah. bars there, all the bars. All the bars there. It was like, it, it was like, and then you, and then you, you were like, well, let me say this. And then, like, oh shit, go for the knockout. The only thing that was missing was like me ripping off my face and going, finish him, you know, and like, like, like <laughs> oh man, yeah, wow. Yeah. It was like a super punch out moment is what I felt like. Yeah. <laughs> it was like like King Hippo trying to pull his pants up before I knocked his ass out. Yeah. <laughs> like bald bull getting like punched right on that third hop, you know. Dude, you know what fucking like when I watch when okay, remember when Mac is getting trained and he's got like his fucking trainer and shit, that dude riding on the bicycle? Oh, of course. Okay. Look at that dude riding that bicycle and then watch the fucking beginning theme like the the intro for the theme music that whole fucking uh for for family matters there's a part where carl winslow is riding a bike with his family and it, he looks just like fucking max trainer from punch out <laughs> that's awesome i have, have to take note of that you totally have to watch that dude i was just like oh my god not only is he the inspiration for the speed movie but also he's the inspiration for fucking max trainer <laughs> in the punch out video all. game oh man that game was the fucking shit I oh love that game was NES great did you ever play the arcade version oh super fucking cool where like little Mac was like a green grid it was a green grid yeah you could see through him yeah yeah it was super cool to this day I still go body blow body blow uh, <laughs> what was the fucking remember the Saturn 
Remember the Saturn, the Sega Saturn? Oh, I do. Yeah. What was that game, that boxing game that came out with that? Was it rum, like Ready to Ready Rumble? Ready to Rumble. Dude, that game was awesome. Yeah, that was the first time you ever could like see bruises and swelling on the parts of the body where you were hitting the person. The characters were very cartoony, but you'd yeah. never seen that that effect where you actually where you were hitting the guy, it was getting more bruised and swole. Yeah. That yeah. was a cool game. That was a great game. I love a good boxing game. I don't think I've played a good boxing game in fucking 10 years. Just like episode 330. It's a great podcast. (laughs) (laughs) People are going to look back on this one pretty fondly, Jake. I agree. I agree. I I, I for real agree. Not even sarcasm. I think it's going to be the talk of the town, sir. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I think the people on the street are going to be approaching us and bringing this up. Uh Uh-huh. I think I do. I do. I'd be like, I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll be, I'll, I'll be out. You know, social distancing, and somebody will hear my voice, and they're gonna be like, I, I, I recognize that voice. <laughs> and then they're gonna look at me, and they're gonna, they're gonna go, consensual carnage, and they're gonna wink, and I'm gonna be, you what? I'm the, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> Jake is finally going to get validation about his Radiohead joke when some fucking music snob just like totally got it and it fucking it was like he was talking I he's like I was listening I was I was listening to that oh and, yeah I guarantee you that dude will have a man bun and yeah total man bun <laughs> and he's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna talk about the time that he was listening to it and he just snotted all over himself because he laughed so hard. <laughs> Oh boy! You're ready. We're not really saving this episode. No, this is like this is. <laughs> no. It's gone downhill pretty fast, hadn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's put this one to bed. Let's narcos the fuck out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, Neil. Yeah, that's all I got for you, Paul. All right, that's, hello. That's it. All right. <laughs> 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 this is this is known as the episode where I give our guests no respect at the end. <laughs> Did you give us any respect to begin with? This <laughs> is like it's like I I acknowledge Jake. This is the episode at the end where I acknowledge their existence, and that's it. <laughs> that's it. There, there's there's zero Jake zero gratitude, zero gratitude. <laughs> It's like, I think I, that's more than they deserve, honestly. I, like, yeah, <laughs> we, sh- we should let them talk and then give them awkward pauses. Like I know <laughs> that they are that they are alive and they're breathing, that they exist. Like somehow they came into existence, and that's acknowledged one hundred percent. Like I know, like there's a there's Neil, and we got Paul. Mm-hmm. He's no Paul Holes, but we got a Paul. <laughs> <laughs> But there's no, like for for me it's like Back to the Future where there's a picture of me, you, Neil and Paul, and like Neil and Paul are like slowly fading away. <laughs> I don't even remember who they are anymore. Like history change. <laughs> I love it, man. Oh, that's awesome. 
That's awesome. Oh man. Whoa, that's a, that's a, and Jake, that's like, that's one of those burns and you got, you got them laughing. <laughs> they're like, they're, they're like, they're in agreement. Like, yeah, man, we kind of sucked it up this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, thanks to them disappearing in the photo, now me and you are perfectly social distancing. Yeah, that's true. So it worked out. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's a total like Corona friendly fucking picture now. Yeah. Because yeah, they're exactly, gone. Exactly. And it's like before. It's like it's kind of embarrassing because we had our arms around them, and it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. after this episode, that doesn't seem appropriate, right? No. 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 <laughs> oh shit. I, no. No, no, yeah, and I think we're right. I think we're right. I'm not going to change my mind on that one. Yeah. <laughs> you got to make a stance. It was supposed to be like one of those things like, oh, no, I really appreciate you guys being on this episode. It's like, no, let's get real. I mean, come on. <laughs> Jake, they kind of shit the bed this episode, right? No, yeah. <laughs> Jake's like, thank God they were on. They totally took everybody's mind off that fucking Radiohead joke from three hours earlier. <laughs> no, yeah, it amplified how terrible I was. So I was not a fan. Yeah. <laughs> Jake was like, Brian, please get Paul and Neil involved more. <laughs> Just take a little bit of the heat off of me. <laughs> no, but seriously, guys. Yeah, you shit the bed. Like, like, <laughs> oh, my God. Mm, no, love having you guys on. Love having you on. And, uh, man, it's, it's, you, you'd think that, more people would be listening to podcasts right now, but we kind of talked about this earlier. Less people are listening to podcasts during the coronavirus. It, 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 it's, it's true, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I, I mean, you less. know how people's habits are. I only listen really when I'm driving, so I'm yeah. not really going anywhere. And Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's listening to this. Thank God. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Might be a good thing for this one. Might be a good thing. All right. We're going to wrap this one up. We'll be back next week for episode 331. What the fuck are we talking about next week, Jake? Oh, God. Lord only knows these days. I do. I write. I write. I got got shit planned out for the, the next few fucking episodes. I always try to stay ahead of this shit. It's crazy. What's coming in 331? What are we doing? Let me look this shit up. This is what you look forward to. Hopefully, hopefully something fun. Uh, this show. No, it's all Netflix again. Oh, Upload. <laughs> Upload's hitting Amazon Prime. Upload's hitting Amazon Ooh. Prime. The um, Robbie Amell show. That looks oh. fucking fantastic. Jake, you got to watch. You got to watch a couple of episodes of that one. That's uh, yeah, I'm down. I'm down. the Robbie Amell Amazon Prime show. Um Trying hits Apple TV Plus. Uh, fuck. Everything else is Netflix. Never Have I Ever, Dangerous Lies, Drifting Dragons, uh, Bad Education, a new movie hitting HBO. And then I might watch, uh, 
have you guys seen, have you seen this new movie that fucking, it, they're advertising right now? You can rent it on fucking Apple TV. Uh, it's, uh, the truth, what, truth about the Kelly gang with fucking, uh, who's the tall lanky kid from fucking 1917? He's in it. Nicholas Holt's in it. Uh, Russell Crowe's in it. It's got a pretty good cast. Oh. True history of the Where's Kelly gang. Where's that coming out at? It's, it's VOD. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it's a movie. Was it I, supposed to hit the theaters and now it's VOD? I don't know, man. It's like, it's, you can rent it for seven bucks now. But I don't know if it was supposed to fucking hit theaters or not. But it, yeah, it's got some big names in it. Nicholas Holt, Russell Crowe, and as, as, as I mentioned, the tall, lanky kid from 1917. <laughs> <laughs> he's, my, he's my favorite of the three dimensions. That's just, yeah, that's just, yeah, he would be so happy if I knew him by that. <laughs> oh, yeah, tall, lanky kid. He's going to be the guy cast in all our fantasy castings from now on. Oh, my tall, God. Tall, lanky kid from 1917. <laughs> yeah. He'd be great. <laughs> What's his fucking name? I feel terrible for not knowing his name. Yeah, was it a Kelly gang? Let me type this in. Yeah, the history of the, yeah, history. It's called, oh, true history of the Kelly gang. What's his name? George Mc, George McKay. George okay. McKay. Oh, okay. Char, Charlie Hunnam's in it too. Hmm. So it's got some star power in here. Russell Crowe. <laughs> Tall, lanky kid from 1917. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got that tall, lanky kid from 1917 in it. He's going to do some more of that running. He's going to be, you know, he's still tall, still lanky. All those things. Paul, you, Paul, are you okay over there, buddy? I'm fantastic. Lies. <laughs> oh, oh, why? Why? It's terrible. Perfect pause. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've done, I love you. I love you, Paul. I love you, Neil. Eh, Jake, whatever. Seven years, right? Seven yeah, for sure. Seven. Paul, Neil, you're decent. Yeah, seven. <laughs> seven years of putting up with each other, right, Jake? Oh yeah, yeah. It was easy. After the first year, the next six were pretty great. Yeah, I, I agree, man. <laughs> Dude, it was like that first year, though. Jesus Christ. This yeah, a, it was, it was, we had a little bit of our terrible twos as well, but then uh, it's been gravy since then. It's been gravy since then. Yeah, I don't know. It's I'm not an easy person to work with. Let's just say that, right, Jake? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I don't think that at all anymore. I. God, I'd miss you so much if I wasn't talking to you at least once a week. I know, I know. It was, it was, it was that, dude. It was those. It, it was. It was like it was like one of those things where like me and Jake just. We, I mean, we had. You see it all the time. We make fun of it. Creative differences, but we had them. But we we worked them out. It can, it can be worked out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We stuck through, and I, I think we're better for it. I, if you would have told me at the beginning of this, like who was gonna like out of the, all the people. Like when we first started this, like who, like when we had like our original cast, like who was still going to be here? And if somebody would have told me that fucking seven years later it was going to be me and you, I would have been like, you're, you're out of your mind. Yeah, we would have quit right then. <laughs> <laughs> That's like finding out how you're going to die. You know? <laughs> Jake is like, this is the opposite of consensual carnage. I'm out. <laughs> 
<laughs> what? It's just me and Brian? Oh, fuck this shit. Oh, fuck this. I am out. Sorry, Dan. We're quitting. But, uh, I'm glad that I'm glad that we could bring you this amazing seven year bonanza episode that we brought you this week. Woo! What a memorable, what a memorable episode. Woo. I'm so happy. Oh boy. Yeah, we really did the seven years in with this we one. Really, yeah, we really, man, we, you know, I, 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 I hyped it up before this show. Before this show, like all, all, all the previous weeks, I was hyping up our big seven year, which basically amounted to me on this show admitting that I didn't know that this was going to be our seven year anniversary <laughs> show. <laughs> and, and yeah, so that's ruined your own narrative. I know. I know. Guys, just like all good leftovers say on the doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. What's up with, with episode? <laughs> Fuck, dude, put this shit in the box. <laughs> seven years. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, take it, do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been dead, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers. Podcast that original and good. I've already been done before, so we should Separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft, the crap Even though we're the shit Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good and toss it, good and Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carryover, counterculture, pushover Pop culture, leftovers And we're the uncool kids What's to say has already been said Nobody's sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture, leftovers.